It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can win? You really do? Anybody on your one? Anybody in my family? Young, he's handsome. They know it. He's a poet, a prophet. Yo, yo, yo. Jay Hicks is back with the Hip Hop Sports Report Podcast. It's the preseason podcast of the year on Late Night. It's the Late Night Podcast of the year. I should lower the voice for the ladies. <laughs> no, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to embarrass myself like that. But it's June. It's Friday, June 2nd, y'all. It's Jay Hicks back at it. Um, it's late. Um, but we had to find time to get this podcast in when we could. Uh, basically, to full disclosure, your boy's moving. So I've been, you know, you, anybody who's listened to the podcast know I'm from Cleveland originally, but I've been living in Central Illinois for the past ten years, and now I'm 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 moving on up to the east side. Actually, more specifically, the north side of Chicago, Chi Town. Yeah. So the family and I were packing up the house, and and we're moving to Chi Town, man. So or at least the northern suburbs. They get real particular about that up in in, in Chi City. They real like. You ain't from Chicago. You you, you ain't from the you from the suburb. All right, fine. I'm, we're moving to the northern suburbs. We ain't trying to ruffle no feathers on our way up there. But yeah, man, it's gonna be cool. So a um, lot going on. It's, it's made it for an interesting time. I've, I've also started a, a new day job. So that's that's something that's pretty cool, and um, I really enjoy that so far. So as a result of all that, you know, I haven't had as much time to podcast as I like to, but. We still got to make time for y'all because I care about y'all. I've been at this podcasting thing for almost 10 years as well. And so I do this for y'all, my people. I got to get back behind the microphone, get these takes off my chest. You know what I'm saying? Skip Bayless needs a new partner out here. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe they'll find me. Rupert Murdoch. Somebody will discover me. Colin Cowherd. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm available. Hit your boy up. HHS support on Twitter. Y'all know the account on Facebook. Come find us. Apple Music, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever. You know where we we everywhere out here. So, uh, but nah, for real though, we, we appreciate everybody that always wants to listen to support. We're going to talk strictly basketball this evening. I got my main man, cousin Vince Hicks, my cousin Vinny, back again on the pod for yet another installment. I love bringing Vince on the podcast because you never know what he might say. And, and I love that about you, cuz. And um, uh, as I've told you on many occasions, you're the most confident person i've ever met in my life and there is no shortage of confidence when it comes to your sports takes and so that's why i expect you to bring to the table this evening you know it's late but we got to keep the energy going so how you feeling this evening i appreciate it because you know i'm I'm great man always happy to be here always happy to lend a hand or lend uh my take uh on the podcast so i'm here for it so let's get started yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. Let, let's just get right into the NBA Finals, though. This is this is what's what's taking place since the last time we spoke. Somehow, the Miami Heat have ended up in the NBA Finals, and they're facing all of a sudden what appears to be a juggernaut in the Denver Nuggets. Uh, we tried to get this podcast in this week, but but uh, some scheduling conference got in the way of that. So we're coming at you now between games one and two. Denver's up one to nothing. They had about a ten point victory in game one, but. Uh, it was never really in doubt. Miami was kind of struggling out the gate, and Denver seemed to be have a firm grip on the wheel from jump. So, 
Vince, I'll, I'll toss it to you right out the gate, man. What, what kind of takeaways did you get from game one? Is there anything that you think is going to be replicated throughout the rest of the series? Uh, game one print went pretty much as expected. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough series for Miami in general, just because number one, Miami finds it hard to score points and Denver scores points pretty easily. So when you add those two together, it doesn't make out for a good series for Miami. Uh, I honestly wanted to say sweep before the beginning of the series, but I have not been a Miami fan, but I will not disrespect the Heat like that. They're going to pull out one just because of the tenacity and, you know, how tough they are as a basketball team. They may possibly even get two, but I think what we saw in game one is going to be pretty hard to, uh, for them to do anything else but what they did. I mean, they may have the game where they get hot from three or whatever, but historically over the year, the reason why they were at eight seed because they can't put points on the board. And when you got Joker playing the type of basketball he's playing right now, where he's unstoppable one-on-one, and if you peed off of him or double team, the role player guys are killing the Bruce Browns and the KCPs and all – Eric Gordon's, we're not even talking about Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know what I'm saying? We're not even talking about those guys who could definitely fill it up. We're talking about the role guy, role player guys, and they are constantly killing teams. So, I mean, it's a lose-lose any way you see it for Miami, I think. Like I said, I think Miami's heart and tenacity will keep them in the game like it did last game. They were down 24, mm-hmm. cut it to 8 or 10. It just didn't have enough firepower against this Denver juggernaut and I don't know where that came from either. You know, I, I was impressed <laughs> by Denver this year on the basketball side, but I didn't see them doing this in the playoffs. They are, they've handled the teams that I thought they were going to have problems with pretty easily. So here's, here's a couple things. So first of all, you're right about Denver being wildly efficient offensively. They, yeah. And, and I'm not the first person to say this, but they get good shots all the time. They don't seem like they turn the ball over much. They just make the right decisions and play good basketball. They're just a very sound basketball team all the way across the board. So they're not really going to beat themselves too often. And then when they're hitting shots, they're really tough to beat. What I find interesting, though, about game one is Denver only scored 104 points. So yeah. even though... You mentioned that Denver has all this firepower and they're just this offensive, just, you know, beast or just this demon that you can't really deal with. And and I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but I am saying everybody felt like Denver was efficient. It's crazy efficient. Everybody felt like Denver was just hitting a stride from, from the word go total control in total control of this game from start to finish playing their game, had everything, had the tempo, everything was under control, and they only scored 104 points. Right. And then when you look at how Miami played, those dudes missed a ton of open looks. There was a ton of open shots. So they, they shot 40% for the game. I mean, they did hit 13 threes somehow, but they only, uh, by a miracle, they only took two free throws the entire game. I think I had heard that that may have been an NBA record for the fewest free throw attempts ever in a playoff game. Now, I'm not even a finals game. I think I heard that. So it is pretty remarkable 
that th- those two combinations, you know what I mean? Like the fact that that they're they're only they're not shooting any free throws at all. Right. And they're missing all these open shots. I mean, Max Struess is supposed to be a shooter. He was 0 for 10. Kayla Martin, damn near won the Eastern Conference trophy, you know what I'm saying? Player of the player of the series trophy or whatever they call it. It was named after. Is it Larry Bird? He almost won yeah. the Larry Bird trophy. He was one for seven last night. Very so I mean, true. At Duncan Robinson, known sniper, marksman, one for six, one for five on threes. So I don't know. You know, it's the first finals game. A lot of these dudes are undrafted, whatever. Maybe they haven't been on this stage, and that's fine. I find it hard to believe Miami's going to shoot this poorly again. And so if they can, as easy as the game seems for Denver, if Miami holds Denver to 104 points on Sunday night, do I think Miami can win that game? Hell yeah, I think Miami can win that game. I mean, I just don't think they're, I I just don't, you you mentioned something else too. Denver has handled these teams in the playoffs. But Denver has played an eight seed, a four seed, and a seven seed. Right. Meanwhile, Miami has defeated a one seed, a five seed and a two seed. So I have to believe that Miami has enough confidence within them to believe that they can hang with anybody, including the Denver Nuggets. And so now the one caveat I'll throw on to that, Vince, is is Jimmy Butler. Right. So these are some of the stuff I said on Twitter right before the game one started. But Jimmy Butler out of this world in the Milwaukee series in game one. He averaged like 37 points a game. Yes. And that's the kind of thing it's going to take to knock off the number one seed in five games, right? But Jimmy has been very, very pedestrian by his standards in rounds two and three. Now, he's picked his spots, so he's had some times where he's looked really good in big moments and he's come up large for Miami and it's kind of masked the fact that he has not been all that impressive by his standards in the second and third round. And I'll even throw in the fact that he got hurt in the Knicks series and he missed a game or two or whatever. So, yeah, I get it. Like, he hasn't been all the way himself from a physical standpoint. But the point is, they need Jimmy Butler to be Superman Jimmy Butler if they're going to beat this Denver team. I agree. So, I, I would agree with that. Uh Assessment. My thing with that is this Miami Heat in the playoffs has been an anomaly. This is not the Miami Heat that's been playing all year. I think Miami Heat was probably like the lowest scoring team in the NBA this year. Like one of the worst. This (laughs) something like that. They're not foreign basketball team. So yeah, Max Struess and Caleb Martin has been playing out his mind, and Duncan Robinson, who before two series ago didn't even play he had got no playing time he was like in Eric Spolster's doghouse or something right he wasn't playing he, he'd been in doghouse all year yeah exactly when Tyler Hero was healthy uh Duncan Robinson didn't see the floor right you know what I'm saying so these guys are playing above what they've been doing all year but this is this team losing by 10 plus points and the other team scoring 104 points is who Miami's been the whole year they're like the Alonzo Morning Miami Heat. You know what I'm saying? We're going to score 70, 78, and, 77 playoff yeah, games. We're going to spend 85 points and 90 points and win by three or four points. They're not a team that's going to score 115, 120 points a game. That's not who they are. You know what I'm saying? They have been doing that. And like you said, the seeds they've been playing have been good, but I would argue that 
the teams that Denver beat besides the ranking they were were as just as hard as the team that Miami beat. You know what I'm saying? The Lakers not a seven seed. Those teams that they played are not the seeds that they are, the Suns or whatever. You know, these teams are different, you know. So uh they went through the gauntlet, you know what I'm saying? And it's no matter how old LeBron is, hard beating LeBron in the playoffs and sweeping LeBron in the playoffs. Right. They just right. have been playing great basketball and I'm shocked at what they've been doing. And once again, if you look at it, they're playing the eight seed again. The Heat are an eight seed, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like they're playing the one seed. They're playing another eight seed. Another well, and, team that yeah. nobody expected to be there this late in the uh, season. So, like I said, I think Miami's luck has ran out. Like I said, I don't think that they're going to get swept just because the heart that they've shown throughout these playoffs. But besides game seven against uh, Boston, the last four or five, they've been shaky. And you know what I'm saying? You get a team that can score and play good basketball against them. They've been a little shaky. So, I think Denver just is the the consummate professional team. Like you said, they don't beat themselves. They get efficient shots. And if you want to look at it, the numbers for Joker was great, but he didn't dominate. Like we've seen Joker score 51 and have 14 and 10. Like he didn't do any right. of that last. Year. Right. You know what I'm saying? He started really slow. He ended with 27, but he let the other guys get involved like we're talking about Jimmy has been a shell of itself if Joker takes over it's nothing Miami can do like they can't guard him it's nobody that can guard him no so no he decides to take over you know what I'm saying and they want to play him one-on-one and try to keep the other guys from scoring that's when you got like I said Michael Porter and Jamal can take over games with their scoring and then you got these bench guys so I think uh Denver can match whatever Miami's doing as far as threes and shots and making shots. And they can also one up them because like Jimmy is pretty tough to beat when he's on his game, but he's not like Joker. Like they have no answer for him and nobody in the NBA has shown me they had any answer for this kid all year. And he's proven it. And like I said, I think it's going to be an uphill uh, road for those guys. So you mentioned the three-point shooting too. I, I think that there was something that there's some kind of stat out there that suggests that that Miami's three-point shooting from the regular season through, as compared to the first three rounds of the playoffs, is like the greatest difference in shooting ever of like a playoff team or something like that. Like some kind of crazy. Basically, they're they are not playing. They're shooting the ball at a much higher clip than they were all year long. That 82 game sample actually was 84 games for them. Sample, right. Is, has nothing on what they're doing in the playoffs. I do, though, want to push back on one thing that you said because you mentioned that Miami is an eight seed and the teams in the West that Denver has gone through aren't don't really match their seed. Like, their profile doesn't match their seeding, right? It's like the Lakers aren't really a seven seed. But why why are the Miami Heat a true eight seed, though? Because they, they were the one seed last year with basically the same I, guys. I know I agree, but like I said, what they've shown all year, they've shown that they can't score the basketball. That's why they're AC. If they played like they played in the playoffs, Miami would have been not been an AC at all. But they showed all year that they can't score the basketball consistently. So That's I, why they're well, I guess my question then is who who is who are the real Miami Heat? Is it the team that was a one seed last year that went to the finals in the bubble with some of the same characters 
And now, and when they were game seven of the conference finals last year and were a one seed, and now they're back in the finals again this year, the only part of that that's inconsistent is this year's regular season. So you're putting more stock into that versus everything else I just mentioned. And do you think that's the right call then? I guess you do. I, I, I would have to say so. I mean, uh, an 82 game sample size is a pretty big sample size or 84 game sample size is a pretty big sample size of who you are. I mean, I don't think you can hide yourself being who you are in, you know, in an 84 game sample. Like, I mean, yeah, some teams play better in the postseason. Some players play better in the postseason. Jimmy Butler is a prime example. Like, to me, in the regular season, he's the most uh, unassuming star in the world. But since the 2020 uh, bubble finals, uh, bubble run, excuse me, he's done some great things in the playoffs. I don't know if he's saving himself. I don't know whatever it is, but he's two different people to me in the regular season in the playoffs. But they, but like that, like I said, that Knicks in Miami Heat series was like the 92. 93 Knicks versus Heat. Like, it was not that, like, it was not really pretty basketball. Let's no. put it that way. It was not beautiful basketball. And they've shown in the playoffs that they can't really score besides some big, big games, you know, where their defense took over and Boston couldn't score points. And they had Boston at 60 points going into the fourth quarter and games like that. But this team has not shown me that they can score consistently. Outside of Jimmy and Bam, and then like I said, Caleb Martin was a who who expected that in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Nobody. No. And then you know what I'm saying these guys are Max Truce, and all these guys are making a, a very big impact. But I think the more so what they showed this regular season is who they are as far as scoring. Yeah. I won't say as a team because. They seem to play together. They seem to like playing together. They seem, you know, Jimmy has gotten a bad rap, and I, I got a problem with that. Everywhere he goes, it doesn't seem like he meshes with his teammates well. You know what I'm saying? So, but here it looks like they can, they understand this type of leadership, and they deal with it accordingly. And maybe that's because he got a team full of young guys. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. you know, nobody has an ego or nobody is a superstar. Ain't no like, number one picks on this team. Yeah, Bam no, is the no next Ben Simmons, star. no cat on this team. Exactly. Bam is the next guy. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? You got a uh, a guy like Kyle who's trying to win, who's been smelling championships his whole career, but, you know, LeBron killed him in Toronto all those years and things like that. So he's just, you know, there to play hard and do what he can do. And then you got a whole bunch of young guys who, they got four undrafted guys who are really, really putting in major minutes and major points. These guys are happy to be in the league. They're not going to argue with the best player on the team. So they can deal with his leadership. So like that, I think helps them as a unit, but I just don't think they're that good of a basketball team, honestly. Well, maybe they're not. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's, what, what's funny to me is that like everybody made this big deal about Denver's depth throughout the course of the Western Conference playoffs, especially when they played like Phoenix. It was like, well, Phoenix has two or three guys, whatever, but but Denver's so deep. Denver's deep. Denver, Denver, Denver. 
really Denver's only playing eight guys and, and they were, which, you know, a lot of teams do in the playoffs, but they, and they really only played seven against the Lakers and right. they're back to basically playing seven. Last night, Christian Brown off the bench played eight minutes. Okay. Jeff Green off the bench played 11 minutes. And then everybody else was 20 minutes and above the other six guys. So right. they're, they've basically, Mike Malone has basically trimmed that rotation to six and a half guys. Right. Everybody's always talking about their depth. And it's not really a depth thing. But if you like depth, then you ought to like the Miami Heat because they were playing nine, they were nine deep in the conference finals. And all of those dudes were contributing. I and agree. That without Tyler Hero. So Tyler Hero is supposed to be back for game two. So we'll see if his offense and scoring can make a difference because I, I agree with you that Denver, excuse me, that Miami will need it. I mean, they need his scoring punch. I don't know how they're going to infuse him back in the lineup, and I don't know if he's going to be rusty or not. He probably will be, and I don't know if the the other role guys, the Duncan Robinsons and the Caleb Martins of the world and the Gabe Vincents, are they going to be able to fit in the way that they fit in without Tyler Hero now that Tyler Hero may be coming back. So yeah, that's, that remains to be seen. That's going to be tough to integrate Tyler Hero back. But like I said, I just, like I said, Miami doesn't score a lot. Like if they can get hot from three, but Miami has no chance if they shoot two free throws. Like Jimmy no, Butler right. came getting to the, the free throw line. Yeah, It opens up a lot more of everything else. So if he's not being aggressive, which helps the other guys, mm-hmm. but if he's not being aggressive and their guy getting to the three, three, uh, the free throw line, they're going to get swept. They don't have a chance at all. You, you want to know chance. how good you you want to know how good Jokic is, dog? What's up? Jokic is so good that Bam Adebayo, who is an All Star, All NBA caliber center, went thirteen for twenty five for twenty six points, thirteen rebounds, and five assists in Game One. And he was invisible. Right. And Jokic, as you pointed out earlier, played a pretty average game by his standard. That was like a pedestrian Jokic performance. What? And he still, because Jokic wasn't even shooting the ball. He shot three exactly. shots in the first half. Still came right. away with 27, 10 boards and 14 dimes. That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he dwarfed Bam Adebayo's performance. And Bam was awesome. You know what I mean? And yet, Jokic was just like he's just omnipresent. Like he's just the whole game just revolves around him. He's the sun, and everything just like literally he's quite literally the sun. He stands at the top of the key, and the other players orbit around him and make cuts to the basket, and he finds them any which way possible. Um, and it's just remarkable watching Jokic work that way. But I mean, when I saw that Bam, who was shaky offensively at best, to put it nicely against right. the Celtics. When I saw Bam come out and he was balling and Miami still couldn't get within 12 points in for the first three and a half quarters, it was like, yo, I mean, that's, I get, I guess Jokic, Jokic, I guess it's just his time. That's, that's, that's the thing. That is the, the, the thing I noticed a lot. Like I don't, you, their games are totally different, but like prime LeBron, like this is what, Jokic is doing for me right now. Like he can have a subpar game and still be the best player on the floor by a lot. Like <laughs> game, like I said, Bam had a great game. Like a great game. Stat wise, even in the first half when they were getting trounced and 
Jokic wasn't doing anything, you were noticing, bam, like, Bam is scoring again. Bam has another rebound. Bam is doing this. And then you look at the final statistics and you're like, Joker didn't do anything. And he outplayed Bam when nobody was even paying attention to him. Like, that's, <laughs> that's LeBron. That's LeBron in the finals against Golden State where the year they lost and they was trying to give him the MVP because he was clearly the best player on the court. And even if he had a bad game, it was like, oh, that's 28. 10 and 11. Like, right. he didn't play well. Like, this is what Joker's <laughs> like. When I, I honestly saw the stat line in the fourth quarter, and it was like, he's one uh, assist away from a triple double or one rebound away from. I'm like, what? And then I look at the stats like, this is incredible. You triple doubles. Triple this, doubles are so easy for Jokic. The whole game. I, I said I'm this like, in our family text thread. I'm like, the game is so easy for him. Like, it it's it looks the game looks easy for all great players like the truly top five guys or whatever the game always looks easy to those guys but it looks real easy to Jokic. <laughs> it's, it does. It's, it does. I mean, because he so, look, he he shoots sixty percent from the floor, so he you know he's going to get ten points. That that's a given, that's and he's probably going to get closer to thirty. And then he's so big. He can't even jump off the floor, but he still positions himself. He's so wide and he's so long. He's still going to get 10 rebounds rather easily. And then when he comes out of the gate with five or six assists in the first quarter, it's like, okay, you know he's going to have a ridiculous stat line. Bill Simmons had a line on a podcast, and I was so jealous that I didn't think of it myself. But he said Jokic's stat lines look like a lottery ticket. (laughs) You feel me? Like (laughs) It does. It It does. does. It does. does. It's insane. It Uh, does. It, 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 like, he is appreciated, like, literally, you know, uh, MVPs and back, back to back MVPs and was in the running for the third MVP and all of this, but he looks like the chubby kid on the basketball. Like, he looks like if you were seven foot, like, you could do what he does. Like, it's so nondescript, and he's not ultra-athletic, right. and you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just a hell of a basketball player. He puts himself in the right position to do everything. That's right. to score, to rebound, to make the right play. He puts himself in a position that most people need uber-athleticism or uber-speed or uber-this to do, and he has none of that. But he's constantly working, rebounding, the first guy down the floor, like, how's the chubby kid the first guy down the floor every right. time? Right, and he is. In, and getting in position where he's getting easy buckets because he's making your guy work. He's not only going to rebound the ball, he's going to outlet the ball and then beat your big man down to the post. Or if he doesn't beat him down there, he's going to get down there at the same place and put himself in a position to get an easy bucket. It's, or, it's, or he'll get the rebound and push the break himself. He'll do that three right. or four times a game. It's. I mean, it's. 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 If you like basketball and not just the ultra athletic guys, yeah, the highlights. Everybody wants the ESP. But if you like actually guys who play the game the right way and can put the ball in the hole and rebound and pass it, like this guy's wonderful to watch. He's really. It's really good basketball, man. It's it is. Really- it is. And what's funny too is that like. It's so funny when guys like dominate statistically, but then they don't have the team success to back it up. Then they just get labeled as like a stat monster, and that's all he is. They said that about LeBron. They used to say that about Kevin Garnett back in the day. Right. 
and then they win the title, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, they're a great player. And it's like, well, they was always that. They just didn't have the team success to go with it for one reason or another. It doesn't always mean that they weren't good enough. Um, one last thing I'm going to touch on about the finals uh, before we move on to our second topic. Uh, well, actually, two things. But first, uh, Eric Spolstra. You and I have kind of been like-minded on the Eric Spolstra debate for some time. Historically, this guy's going to go down as one of the great coaches in NBA history. He already has. They they did a top when they did the top seventy-five. They also did a top fifteen coaches or something like that. Yeah. And he was on the list. And I remember when I first saw it, I was like, "Yo, Eric Spolstra is one of the top fifteen coaches ever." And then I sat back and I thought about it, and I'm like, "Well, if you're going purely based off of." accolades or not even accolades but accomplishments you know team success he's won two titles and he's been to the finals five times so that alone puts him in another class that only a few coaches can say that they're at however i think you and i would agree it always seems like he never gets any blame he's like the steph curry of coaches he never gets any blame i would agree when things don't go well or when his team underachieves nobody ever 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 points the finger at him but when his team succeeds they always give him the lion's share of the credit is that right i agree i agree 1000 percent. i agree 1000 percent. like uh eric's i mean i'm not going to name 15 coaches better than eric's poster in the history of the game but i will say that i believe there's 15 coaches. I don't think he's the top 15. <laughs> but what I will tell you about Eric Spoelstra is, I, Eric Spoelstra is this year since 2020, his resume has been better than his whole resume before, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. who can't win a title with LeBron? Like. Tyron Lue's won the title with LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel's won the title with LeBron. Like, LeBron brings titles. You know what I'm saying? Like, so those two in Miami, although you can't say, oh, if you take those two away, he's, you know what I'm saying, he doesn't have any championships. You know what I'm saying? I won't say that because it's great coaches that has great, have, have had great players. And it's other players that have had LeBron that have it. I mean, coaches that have LeBron that didn't win championships. You know what I'm saying? So I won't do that, but his resume to me from 2020 to now is better than the resume for his whole career. Well, it's certainly, it's certainly more impressive, right? I think that's, that's that's the point. For me, it's a more impressive, like he's coaching better because he hasn't had the teams like that. 2020, bubble run team and then like you said eastern conference finals last year and then finals this year like that's a four-year stint that besides when lebron was there he's done nothing like those four years like lebron had took miami and that's what it was lebron took miami to the finals because (laughs) before he was there they didn't go to the finals after he left they didn't go to the finals so lebron took miami to the finals four years besides that Eric Spoelstra has been, oh, not make the playoffs, barely make the playoffs, getting the playoffs, lose in the second round, lose in the first round. And he right. still had Ain Wade, a Hall of Famer, and Chris Bosh before he had heart conditions was a top 10 player in the league. So we're not going to say that he didn't have the talent. He's doing his best coaching now. I think he deserves credit for what he's done now, but he is definitely the Steph Curry of coaches. <laughs> 
And you know that's not a bad thing because, like, to your point, like, I mean, maybe he's not top fifteen ever, but he's he's top something. I mean, Steph Curry is, you know, I mean, I don't know where you play Steph Curry. We're going to talk about Steph in a little bit. I don't know where you play Steph Curry in the in the all time discussion of of players, but I mean, he's he's in the conversation somewhere. But it's just very debatable as far as where he lies. So you you got Denver. What is it? Denver in five or something like that. Denver in five. Okay, I had Denver in six. You know what I'm saying? And I actually, I probably, you could have, I could have been talked into picking Miami in an upset had they actually swept the Celtics. But they showed a lot of vulnerability in those final three games against Boston. And even though they finished the job on the road, which was impressive in game seven, yeah. uh, it's still, you know, I, I was just like, okay, maybe they're not quite ready for the big time and they got, you know, that freight train Jokic and, and that Denver Nuggets team up there waiting on them. So I just I just couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger on the upset. Uh, no, I wouldn't have picked the upset either. I would have gave up, if, like you said, if they would have swept uh, Boston, I would have gave them a longer run. I would have probably said them losing in six or seven. But I like you said, they showed a lot of vulnerability those last, uh, well, the th- three before the uh, game seven, which they – and the half of that was just Boston not showing up, you know. Jason yeah, it's Tatum just, I'm sorry, yeah. Getting hurt bad. but shrinking down the shrinking down the stretch like he had done in all the other games prior. But, you know, uh and then Jalen Brown, I don't know what he was doing. Uh I think he was trying to get out of Boston with one game <laughs> on one last game. They said he'd been wanting to go to Atlanta all season. He looked right. like he was trying to get there the day after, like it was a horrible game <laughs> for a guy that, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't turn the ball. We had nine turnovers or something. It was ridiculous. I don't know. He was dribbling was just, the ball. Just just bad Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it was, it was really bad basketball. So, I mean, Miami did, did go on the road. Lovely. Win by 30, up by 35 or whatever. Dominant performance, but Boston didn't give any resistance that game either. So, yeah, I mean, so I, it, it's funny, man. Like as as great as Denver has looked, there is something about them where it just feels to me. And I don't, you know, there's not there's not a ton of data to back it up, but I guess because they shrunk the rotation down so much, and they're relying on cats like Jeff Green, who was like a punchline for many years in the NBA. He was notorious for being flighty or just you know you as soon as you think you can count on him he doesn't show up that that was his that was the book on him for years right and they're counting they're playing significant minutes with him and aaron gordon who is not a bad basketball player but i never thought he was especially great he's playing well he's playing good defensively but i'm not you know i'm i was never a big aaron gordon guy and kcp Contavious caldwell pope good player you know, won a title with the Lakers, but not again. Like it just kind of feels tenuous in that they consistently, whenever somebody else falls off, that other player steps up every single time. If Jokic comes to play basically every night, it's almost impossible for him to have an off night. But right. if Jamal Murray don't got it, then Aaron Gordon's knocking down shots. And if Aaron Gordon's not knocking down shots, then KCP's getting buckets. And if KCP ain't getting buckets, Michael Porter's, you know what I'm saying? And even Michael Porter, he feels like a front runner to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but he feels like one of them type dudes that, you know, if, if you're up six 
and then you swing it to him, swing, swing, and he's open for a three, he's going to knock down that three to make it make Denver up nine. But right. if you down, if you down three. five, yeah, or three, and it's late, you know, and you swing it to Michael Porter, I don't know if that ball's going in. But, you know, I would agree. I, 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 at the end of the day, I think, you know, Denver seems to be poised to, to take this thing home. But stranger things have happened. We've seen teams blow 2 0 series leads and mess around and lose four or five. And next thing you know, they at home, you know, wondering what the hell happened. So um, we'll see. Miami's got a lot, a lot of tenacity, as you pointed out, a lot of heart. Um, maybe a Hall of, I guess, a Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> he culture, whatever. <laughs> we'll have to see how, how, it, how it pans out. I wanted to shift the conversation to get to our even larger topic of the evening because we're talking a lot about guys like Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler, Stephen Curry, LeBron James is always a topic of discussion, Jason Tatum. And we always like to talk about these dudes in historical context. And I wanted to introduce something new to the dialogue, to the basketball dialogue, Vince. When we talk right. about basketball players, their legacy, the hierarchy, when trying to establish who's the greatest players of all time and that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it centers around this concept of moments. That's what I call it, moments, right? Players having moments that, that it's the moment piece, right, that really separates certain guys, I feel like. I don't know. We'll, okay. we'll try to draw conclusions at the end of it. But let me just start by defining what is a moment, right? So, like, when I did the Charles Barkley podcast uh, during uh, the pandemic back in May of 2020, I broke it up into four sections. I talked about his resume. I talked about the eye test with Barkley. I talked about his statistical dominance. And then I talked about the career narrative, so to speak. And within right. that, you know, in the in the eye test and the narrative piece and stuff like that there within that framework there are these images of Barkley doing things that we remember to this day about his playing career it's in his basketball epitaph it's in the first paragraph of his Wikipedia page I mean not literally but you know what I mean like just from a bas- strictly yeah. a basketball sense like it's in the first paragraph it's what you think of when you think of certain players And so I'm defining moments as legendary performances. Anything that people talk about that is widely associated with that player's career. We're talking about career highlights. What do we remember about these guys? I'm talking about, again, what do you remember about on SportsCenter? What are the replays that they always show of a certain player doing something? What are the games? What are the the big shots, the dunks, the plays? What are the things that we you know, affixed to these guys for the rest of their careers based on what they did. And I'm only looking at the playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about regular season, but I'm, I'm primarily focusing on the playoffs here. And okay. But this is like the stuff of NBA legend, the stuff of NBA lore that will live on for years, right? The stuff that goes beyond just the stats, because we all know that the stats can tell a lie a lot of times. And so looking just strictly at statistics and and game logs is great, but they don't always tell the full story. I mentioned on the podcast a little while ago, I believe uh, Nick Wright from Fox Sports, he counted down like the top 50 players of all time in, in his estimation on his podcast or whatever. And it was a pretty cool 
exercise that he did and he he did a deep dive on every single guy and that was i appreciated that where i disagreed with him though was that he basically judged it strictly on accomplishments and looking at game logs right and even that exercise alone may not necessarily tell the full story but that's almost exclusively what he did and so again i'm trying to introduce a new spin on how we judge these guys okay And, and it's not even really a new spin it's just i don't know i haven't heard anybody talk about it in these terms but this can be a stretch, a, a great game, a game-winning shot, a dunk, a play, a playoff series, a playoff run, a series of games. You know what I mean? Uh, it can right. even be things that took place on the peripheral of the game itself. And so we'll talk about that. But the first guy that I wanted to talk about was is Reggie Miller. And okay. you might not think, you know, like, why Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller is, when you look at his career, right? I don't know. I think he's probably around 17, 18 points a game, something like that. Uh, I think he mm-hmm. made like maybe six or seven all-star games, something like that. Now, granted, he the bulk of his career was playing in the Eastern Conference when Jordan was there at guard. So he right. lost out on a lot of all-star games, a lot of all-NBA games, you know what I'm saying? And what I've noticed, Vince, and, and maybe you don't, you're not on social media as much as I am, so maybe you haven't noticed the discourse around Reggie Miller. But aside from the fact that people hate him as a commentator, <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, okay, um, I, I probably am in agreement with those okay. folks. But, you know. <laughs> aside from that, though, there is a belief that Reggie Miller does not belong in the top 50 players or whatever does not belong top 75 is is wildly overrated because when you look at his accomplishments he's he doesn't have a ton of all nbas he doesn't have a ton of all-star appearances and he's not like some kind of massive scoring monster or anything like that he didn't pass the ball or set set guys up like that so people don't really i feel like judge him properly because they're just looking at it like well well what was so great about reggie miller he shot some threes you know never won a title you know what i'm saying i feel like that's how people judge him and i don't feel like that's right because I when i think- look at reggie miller's moments it's the moments that separate reggie miller and if you weren't there it's like the cam record you wasn't there if you wasn't there for <laughs> reggie miller you're not going to appreciate reggie miller that's how i feel Reggie Miller was a legitimate lead number one scoring option on a team that was competitive in the Eastern Conference year after year, going head to head with those '90s Knicks, with the with the Jordan's Bulls, and with the Shaq and Penny Orlando Magic, and winning some of those battles. Right? He did end up going to a finals, but you know when I think back, he had the fourth quarter takeover at Madison Square Garden. Right? He's talking right. shit to Spike Lee. He's grabbing his junk. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Reggie Miller's competitive streak is undersold, I feel like. This dude was as competitive right. as anybody, and he was not scared of Michael Jordan. In fact, one of his greatest moments was when he shoved Jordan and stuck a three in his face to win a game in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1998. Right. So, like, I feel like these are some of the things that we remember about Reggie Miller. So he had those two performances. And he, and he got into physical altercations with Jordan. But then he also had the eight points in nine seconds game in Madison Square Garden, right? When they were down in the playoffs, hits a three, steals the ball from Greg Anthony, races back behind the three-point line, hits another three, 
these are things that I feel like made Reggie Miller that took his his career into another stratosphere. And even he even when uh, when he was an older guy, he hit a long turnaround three to tie the game against the Nets in I think it was in 2002 and then he had a dunk that forced over uh, that forced double overtime in that in that game. They ended up losing that game and that was the like, the final game of the series for them. But like he was always clutch and and that was something that and and his shooting was totally unique for his era. So Very again, true. so I, you, you know, reflect on Reggie Miller for a minute. I don't know how you feel about Reggie Miller as a player, but like this is, you know, what I'm saying I feel like this is where the moment thing is important because if you're just looking at the numbers and if you're just looking at the accolades, you're not going to get there with Reggie Miller. But if you live through it, odds are you're going to have a greater appreciation for him. No, I agree 100, percent and that's my take on Reggie Miller too. Like when people say guys are certified buckets. Reggie Miller was a certified bucket in a time where you didn't have people chunking up threes to score 140 points because the league wanted the game to be a certain way and the shooters were protected in all these different ways. And like Reggie Miller could get you buckets. He was a three point shooter. Like you said, uh, he could shoot mid range. Like you said, competitive as all hell and clutch at all times like Reggie Miller in that time like you said he didn't get some of the all NBAs and some of the all-star nods because it was just a bad time you know what I'm saying when you're playing with certain guys you're playing with Jordan at the two guard in the Eastern Conference you're not starting the all-star game at the two guard you know what I'm saying like you playing small forward in the East with LeBron you're not starting off it's just not <laughs> happening you know right like, certain right. things are not happening but Reggie Miller would get buckets and he was he was clutch. He was on the team that was competing every year, the best offensive uh player on that team. And at that time when Reggie Miller and those Indiana Pacers teams were in the conference finals and making those long playoff runs and even making the finals and doing all that, it wasn't 10, 12 guys in the league that you could say were better than Reggie Miller. And this is year after year after year. Right. No matter what you talk about, stats or whatever. If I said, in 1997, name me 10 guys in the league that's better than Reggie Miller, you're going to be hard-pressed to figure that out. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is the type of things that make great players. Like, you can look at a stat box and say, oh, yeah, he only finished with 21 points. Or, oh, yeah, he, oh, he did this or did that. But on the court, when you're watching the game and everybody is on the say you're a Chicago Bulls fan and or New York Knicks fan and the game is two point game or you guys are up two or you're down two or you and this coming down to the final seconds everybody on that other team is saying including their fans and their coaches and their broadcast team don't let Reggie Miller get the basketball Right. These that, are the that counts for a lot. Like I've it seen people try to I've seen people try to argue that like Clay Thompson is a greater player than Reggie Miller. And it's like Clay Thompson never carried a team ever for a day. Ever. Reggie ever. Miller carried a franchise. What are the Indiana Pacers without Reggie Miller? They Absolutely were nothing. nothing. They were Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, Absolutely nothing. And that's what fact, that's what you get. That's what you get for these stats from these stat guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Stat guys. And I like I said, I 
had a fondness. I have a fondness for Clay's game before he got hurt. But like, like you said, he's never carried a like. He's not the the, the number one option. He never has been the number one option. Never. And he's either the second option or the third option. You know what right. So, but like this guy's the number one option. This guy is the guy who's going to get the buckets. This guy is the guy who's not afraid to uh, take the shot. Everybody on his team believes in him that if we get him the basket, boy, he's going to make the last shot. Everybody on other team is trying to keep the ball away from them. Everybody on, like I said, the other team's fans and everything. This guy is a bucket. Reggie Miller could go out and get you buckets at all times. When He's a guy that you know is going to get the ball when the game is on the line because, like we were talking about in these finals with the Knicks and the Heat, like Indiana wasn't a big quarantine. Like, they're not going to give you a whole bunch of buckets. They're going to play good defense and keep the games close. But when this guy gets the basketball, everybody knows he's getting the basketball, and he still can beat you and make those shots. Like, the 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 folklore and the stuff they have, like Kobe, like, you know, uh, you know, give Kobe the ball, he's going to take the shot, and everybody's scared of him. Like, that's Reggie Miller, you know what I'm saying, without the <laughs> fanfare. Like, that is Reggie Miller without the fanfare. Like, yeah. keep the ball out of his hands. He's going to shoot the shot because he's not scared to shoot the shot. And nine times out of ten, he's going to make the shot. Like, right. he's the area of a basketball player. And for people who didn't watch it and are looking at numbers that, you know, guys are had had their peaks because everybody has their peaks and then they have their valleys. And mm-hmm. that, they're, oh, he only had averaged 18 points a game. Yeah, but it was uh, three, four years where he's one of the best scorers in the league, you know what I'm saying, consistently. You know what I'm saying? Now, everybody doesn't have long runs. Like, no, everybody's not LeBron. You can't be in your 20 and average 30 points a game. Like, right. this is not the normal basketball thing. So people looking at stats don't understand it. But I watched Reggie Miller, and I wasn't a Patriots fan. But, you know, we're in the Midwest as a Cavs fan. It was that, the Indiana Pacers. You see those games, Chicago Bulls. That's, that's a divisional were, opponent. That's, that's a divisional opponent. And I've seen them crush us and crush many teams and put fear in many teams for a long time in his career. And like I said, if you're just looking at stats and not watching these games and not watching them do that, ask Spike Lee how good Reggie Miller is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Ask Patrick Ewing, ask the Knicks, ask Michael Jordan, even though they were winning. Like, ask these guys who, how tough of a matchup Reggie Miller was. Because somebody had to chase him around the court because he was running through screens and coming off with picks and guy. pin downs. What'd you say? He, he was that first guy. Exactly. Exactly. About, and so I wanted to point out Ray out. Allen. They talk about Steph. They talk about all these guys that run off screens. Rip Hamilton. Keep the defense on their toes. You rip Hamilton. They keep the defense on their toes all game. You got to chase them all all game. That was Reggie Miller. And he was six, seven. <laughs> and, and so here's the thing. This is what I wanted to point out real quick before we move on from Reggie. So Steph Curry, I believe Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. And you don't, but, but that's fine. You know, he, he's in the conversation. I think everybody would agree with that. Steph Curry, 50% of his shots in his career are, were threes. Right down the middle. Like, like, if you look up all of his field goals of his regular season career, half of them are three-pointers, are three-point attempts, right? Right. Reggie Miller was the best shooter of the 90s. But only 37% of his shots were three-pointers. And it seems like all he shot was three-pointers, but really it was only 37%. Right. And then 
I thought to myself, okay, well, who was the greatest shooter before Reggie Miller? Well, I think most people would tend to agree that that was Larry Bird. Right. Larry Bird, you have a guess what percentage of Larry Bird shots were three pointers? Probably below thirty percent. Ten percent. Wow. Ten percent. Everybody gives Steph Curry credit for quote unquote changing the game, right? That's right. what they say about him. When they talk about his all-time legacy as a player, a big part of that is the fact that Steph changed the game because everybody talks about what three-point shooting has become since Steph Curry. And, yes, there is a point in time where you can mark, like, Steph Curry's emergence and then the emergence of three-point shooting unilaterally across the NBA. So that's a right. true statement. However, Reggie Miller fathered Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? And not Del right. Curry, but it was actually Reggie Miller. And <laughs> and and the gap in between Reggie Miller's three-point attempts and Larry Bird's three-point attempts from a percentage standpoint is far greater than the gap between Reggie Miller and Steph Curry. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. People think Steph Curry took it to another level. No, Reggie Miller took three-point shooting to another level because Larry Bird was that guy, and he was only shooting 10% of the time from three, whereas Reggie Miller jumped that from 10% all the way up to 37%. Steph Curry right. took it from 37 to 50 as the, the league's preeminent three-point marksman is what I'm talking about, right? And so right. I just think that that's, that goes into the career narrative of Reggie Miller and that he doesn't get the credit or birthing cats like Steph Curry, who was of, uh, oh, you know, because Reggie played against Dell, right? So Steph's old enough to remember when Reggie Miller was doing his thing. And he basically patterned his game after Reggie Miller, and nobody credits Reggie Miller for it. But it's... That's it's, ironic. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's 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 that, but it's the moments. It's, it's the plays in Madison Square Garden against that crowd, against that defensive juggernaut of a team. In that era, it's going literally nose to nose with Michael Jordan and not backing down an inch. It's shoving Michael Jordan and sticking the game winning three on the Bulls in the playoffs. It's stuff like that that I think separates guys, which is what tells the story. I want to move on to one of your favorite players, your favorite player, actually, Isaiah Thomas, right? Yes. I can only, I can only think of a couple of moments. And, now, and this is part of the discussion, right, is what does it mean when certain players have more moments than other players? We can get into right. that, but when I think of Isaiah Thomas's positive moments, I can really only think of two. I'm talking about stuff that's like replayed all the time, that is always talked about and associated with that guy. It doesn't mean that he didn't have other great games, you know what I'm saying, or other you could even throw in the word legendary, you know, even you can yeah. have legendary performances, but they still not reach the level of what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about those right. Those things that people will forever associate with that player, it's the first thing or the second thing that pops into their mind. I think of that game where Isaiah got the ball against Atlanta. It was the 87 playoffs. He goes to the rack. He does a little shake, you know, a little wiggle, gets to the cup, scoops, scoop layup, grabs the ball, starts dancing around in a circle against the Hawks like that game winner. I think of that play. Yeah. And then I think of, of course, the game – in the finals, I believe in 1988, when he sprained his ankle and scored like 25 points in the fourth quarter, probably one of the most underrated still to this day performances in NBA history. And I don't even know. I think the Pistons lost that game. Those are the two that I think of. And maybe there's more about Isaiah that I'm not remembering. But And maybe Isaiah is 
properly rated in history, but probably not. No, he's clearly not. <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> like, what is it about Isaiah that, that always drew you into him? Isaiah Thomas, and I will say this again, and you can ask, the funniest thing about it is you can ask anybody, like even the people that don't like them can't say. Ask anybody, Isaiah Thomas, and if I would say exclude Irvin Magic Johnson because it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we'll be on anybody's list. Anybody who has any basketball knowledge is the best point guard to ever play in the NBA. And that's because of what he could do and at the size he was. Right. But besides Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas is the best point guard to ever play in the NBA. And it's not even fucking close. It's not close. <laughs> it's not. Why isn't it even close though? It's not close because the things that a point guard can do, he could take over a game without scoring. But not only could he take over a game without scoring, he could take over a game without scoring and then come out the next game and score 50. Like, mm -hmm. he's that guy. Mm -hmm. He's that guy. He's that I can have a 20-assist game followed by a 50-point game. Or I could have a 35-point game and a 15-assist game in the same game. <laughs> this is when this is not shooting three-pointers where all your points, you know what I'm saying? This, this this, is the problem what I have with some of the guys that they rank, like Steph. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I don't have a problem with Steph so much in particular. It's just they credit him for some things that is because the way the game is played. Like Isaiah Thomas could get, get buckets. Like everybody talks about handles, Kyrie's handles. Like ev all the older cats talk about Isaiah Thomas. You know what I'm saying? All the cats who look at I Kyrie now and say, oh, look at Kyrie's handles. It's so great. Acts like Jam Jamal Crawford and Isaiah Thomas was the guy with the handles. Right. He's the guy with the best handles to ever play the game. He's the guy with the best handles to ever play the game. He's the guy that can control the game without scoring. He's the guy that can score 50. He's the guy that's the best assist guy. He's the, like, Isaiah Thomas was pure point guard play when that's what you needed to play best. Like, it wasn't like he couldn't score. Isaiah could score 50 points a game if he wanted to because he was that talented offensively. But he was the point guard. So your job as a point guard is to get other guys involved, you know what I'm saying, and get other guys uh, to control and dictate the pace of the game, i.e. Chris Paul, where people right. try to disregard what Chris Paul does. but he makes his teammates better all the time, more than not, more likely than not. So people don't like the, the Isaiah problem. The Isaiah issue is Michael Jordan. That's why he's not rated because he had a problem with everybody's hero. The same way they try to downgrade LeBron because LeBron is competing with Michael Jordan in a sense. So they try to downgrade everything LeBron does. That's the same way with Isaiah Thomas. Ask Charles Barkley who's the best point guard to ever play. He won't say Steph Curry. He's going to say Isaiah Thomas, if not Magic Johnson. You know what right. I'm saying? Besides, right. me, like I say, Magic, John Magic Johnson. He's is in Magic a class Johnson. by himself, right? He's in a class by himself. The one thing I would say is that is that I think to your point about Steph, 
he he does what he does because of the way the game is played. His 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 ardent supporters, you know, would probably argue that the game is played the way that it's played because of him. But we, you know, we we yeah. you know we can get into you know whatever. That's yeah. that's kind of a nuanced yeah. discussion. But um, do you think the fact so so you don't let me just point it this way you you do not believe. The fact that Isaiah only has, like I said, and maybe I'm missing a moment, but I think he only has like two moments, right? The fact that he only, and I'm using only in quotes, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's still pretty incredible. I mean, that that ankle, sprained ankle game is, is some, some of the most, give you chills watching that shit. But like, you know what I'm saying? But because he only has two moments, you don't think that works against him? Not nearly as much as it is the Michael Jordan factor, which by the way, Guys can have negative moments too. So Isaiah did throw the throw the ball away to Larry Bird in '87, and that and, and it's underneath the knee. Johnny lays it out. Yeah. What a play by Bird! Like you know that that happened, right? And then yeah. the other thing that Isaiah is remembered for is maybe not leading necessarily, but the camera was right on him when he walked past Jordan and the Bulls without shaking their hand after Michael and them knocked him out of the 1991 playoffs. So you think it's more so a Jordan thing, though, than it is anything else? It's definitely a Jordan thing. Like, they don't show, I I could tell you a ton of Isaiah Thomas highlights. Those things that, but they don't show it because it's Isaiah Thomas. Like, you know what I'm saying? They got tons of Kobe highlights, which some of the stuff I don't even think are highlights. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's because it's Kobe. Or because it's Jordan, they, because it's these guys that they, they're pushing. Like It's the mythology. The mythology of it. Like, yeah. Isaiah Thomas has none of those moments, but they won't show you. So I'm going to uh, go to a couple of those uh, things. Like I said, I do think it's the Jordan thing, number one, first and foremost. But he did throw the ball away against the Celtics. But, you know what I'm saying, the funny thing about that is Isaiah Thomas is the only star player who has a winning record against Jordan, Magic and Bird. Right. He beat them all in, in the playoffs. In the playoffs. All of them. He has a winning record against Jordan. He has a winning record against Magic. He has a winning record against Bird in the playoffs. These are the staples of the game. They Everybody always says, uh, Magic and Bird brought the NBA back and then passed it to Jordan. No, Isaiah was kicking all of their asses in between that. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't Magic and Bird passing it to Jordan. It was Isaiah taking it from Magic and Bird and whooping on Jordan and them, and then then Jordan <laughs> finally beat them to take it. Like it wasn't yeah. no torch passing. Like we we're gonna forget a whole time in history. Like because this is the guy that Michael Jordan doesn't like, so we're just gonna act like he didn't play basketball, and act like he didn't dominate basketball. Those Pistons teams were dominant in those mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. They were dominant. So. And that's the Jordan argument. Oh, Jordan is that, and he, he could have won all these. I saw when Jordan could not win. <laughs> I saw when <laughs> Mike Jordan could not beat a team, and it was not even close. And then they always try to say, oh, it was the bad boys, and they were dirty, and they used to beat him up. All, it's always an excuse. I love that you said not, could not win. I love that. Like, that was the, not, like, not, not that Jordan hasn't won. The belief was he could not win. He could not win. That was the belief. So that's the funny thing about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he turned the ball over against the Celtics, but he has a winning record in the playoffs against Magic, those Boston Celtics with Bird and Jordan. 
Now let's get to the walking past and walking off the court. This is the most funniest thing I have ever from people that talk about this today. It's so hilarious because what's the narrative today? These guys are too friendly with each other. LeBron is always friends. He's hugging. He has handshakes with people and this, that. But now Isaiah Thomas, the worst player because he walked off without shaking people's hands. That's a good point. He's the <laughs> worst player, but it's not people's hands. He walked off not shaking Michael Jordan. If it was anybody else, anybody else, it wouldn't matter. Because from what I heard, I've never paid attention to it. But when the they said when the uh, Pistons beat the Celtics that year, Bird and the Celtics then walked off without shaking the uh, Pistons' hand. They didn't walk past their bench because right. that's not the way it was set up for them to leave the court. But they left the court without shaking hands. Nobody talks about that. It's You're right. My- Jordan cried all these years about why he don't like Isaiah Thomas and what fueled him to be this guy. And he never gave me my respect. And everybody is Michael Jordan kiss asses. And so now Isaiah Thomas is bad. But this is the thing that they talk about to this day. Why are they friends? Why are they shaking hands? Why are they talking? They're too close. They shouldn't be talking. They shouldn't work out together after, you know what I'm saying? All of this garbage because everybody's so friendly and you got to be hate each other be competitive. Oh, that's the thing they was talking about this year. Oh, Draymond threw the game because his friends with LeBron, so he threw the game because... Come on, man. These think, are the same think, people that say... Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right about friendly. that. And it's I, ironic that this is the thing that everybody wants to remember. And it's only because it's Michael Jordan. That's It's the only reason. I, I, I'll, I'll throw in one other thing. I think I think part of it, too, is the way that it looked because they walked directly past the bench and the way Isaiah kind of, like, hunched his shoulders and had the little smirk on his face. I think that that worked against them, too. But I, I do agree with you that had it been anybody but, else, nobody would have cared. But that's fine. Like I said, whether you like it or not, but... How does it matter? I mean, why does it matter how it's done? If you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. Like, if I'm boxing somebody and I really don't like somebody and we had a bad, uh, you know what I'm saying, pre-fight thing, after the fight, I'm not going to go hug and kiss and shake and make up. I don't like you. And it's fine. It's okay not to like people. It's okay not to shake people's hands. Like, I don't, I just, like I said, I've never understood that. Like, Everybody wants to, you know what I'm saying, hold that against them. And that's fine. You can hold it against them. I know why it's held against them because of the person it was done against. You know what I'm saying? You think yeah. if Isaiah walked off the court and they lost to the uh, Pacers and he didn't shake Reggie Miller's hand, would Isaiah be a villain? No. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. it's because it's the whole Michael Jordan thing. And this is what makes a lot of things in the NBA, I don't even argue about stuff. If you didn't watch Isaiah Thomas play basketball and you're going on, like, did, have you, did you see that uh, inside the NBA, uh, not the inside the NBA, the uh, NBA TV thing when they the were open talking court. when court? Yeah, when they were talking about Scottie Pippen not wanting Isaiah on the dream team or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's like, Scottie Pippen? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who is Scottie Pippen? Like, do we even have a say in this conversation? Okay, if you say Michael Jordan, the greatest player in the world, and he don't want me on the team, I can understand that. But Scottie Pippen, like, come on. Like, who is he to tell anybody? You know what I'm saying? Like, Scottie Pippen couldn't carry Isaiah Thomas Jockstrap dirty and wet in the rain. Like, come on. As a basketball player, you got to be kidding me. 
and this is like I said, this is the narrative. But like it's like I said, if you didn't watch Isaiah Thomas play, you don't know what you're missing. And you probably need to go look at some highlights because the the guy was incredible on the basketball court. Yeah. Now you can say you don't like him and you cannot like him off the court and that's fine, but the same people that say basketball players are too friendly are talking about a guy walking off the court and not shaking hands. It's so ironic to me. It's hilarious. So, so you know, we talked about your favorite player. It's only right that we talk about my favorite player, right? So uh, CB34, the GOAT power forward, I don't give a damn what you say. <laughs> I don't give a damn how much you love Tim Duncan or how many rings Tim Duncan got. He was not a better player than Charles Barkley, in my opinion. And I feel much like you, that if you actually watched him play, you might be tempted to believe me in spite of the fact that he didn't have nearly the team success. But Barkley only had a couple moments himself. I can only think of three, actually. Like, three things that stick out in people's minds. He had the shot over David Robinson. That gets replayed a lot, where he kind of did his little shimmy to his left, and people on social media always trash that move, and they say he had no bag, and this is like, he stuck a jumper in the face of one of the greatest defenders in NBA history to close out the, the series. Like, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if he got a bag or not. He drilled a jumper in the man's face, who was much bigger than him, by the way. But he hit the shot over David Robinson to close out the Spurs in 93. He had the game seven against the Seattle Supersonics. Trip to the finals on the line. Barkley goes out 44 points, 24 rebounds. Probably the greatest game he ever played given the stakes and everything like that. And then he had the 56-point playoff game against the Golden State Warriors the following year in 1994. Those are like the three moments that I think people associate with Charles. And I think part of it, you know, is just the fact that he hadn't had the opportunities. Now, the opportunities could just be a function of he didn't have the team success. He didn't have enough sustained playoff runs to have more of those moments. He had he had a near moment in 93 uh, when the triple overtime game with the Bulls and the Suns. He stole the ball. Stacey King tried to throw the ball to Jordan. Barkley stole it put the Sun and, get, and laid it up, put the Suns up five. I think that would have been a moment had the Suns won the series, but they lost the series, so nobody really remembers that. That was in triple overtime on the road in Chicago when they were down 0-2. And they won that game. And so, like, it's stuff like that. It's like a near miss like that. They lost the series, and I think nobody – it's kind of forgotten. But he does have those three moments working to his advantage, but not a whole lot more than that. And honestly, Barkley only – he doesn't even have that many, like, bad moments. Like, I mean, you – he has some borderline stuff, like the the three that John Paxson hit to beat the Suns in 93. He overplayed Scottie Pippen on that play. I've heard it talked about, but nobody really thinks about that that much. And then uh, in 95, when they, I think they were up 2-0 on the Rockets, I believe. uh, Or they had a 3-1 lead on the Rockets that series. Uh, And they should have won that series if Barkley was hurt in Game 7. That's a whole other thing. But I think it was Game 5, Chuck missed two free throws that I think, I don't remember the exact score at the time he missed those free throws, but there were pivotal free throws in the fourth quarter that he missed. And Houston ended up winning that game and and ultimately ended up winning the series in seven games. But he doesn't have a lot of bad moments either, but he only has those three moments that I think people really associate. Maybe if he had more, people would be more apt to think like I do, that he's the greatest power forward that ever lived. But And and speaking of power forwards, you look at Karl Malone, I I don't know that I don't know that he has any moments, dog. And like, 
again, this is I've I've gone on record saying that Carl Malone is the most overrated great player in NBA history. And maybe part of the reason is that he doesn't have any moments. moments that doesn't mean he, that, I mean, like, what is what is the thing that you think of you know, I'm not even gonna take it off the court, but just on the court. What is it, what is it that you think of when you think of Carl Malone that, that like his in his career that's like the the thing that comes to mind? He scored a lot of points and stuff, but it's just like he doesn't have like one play or one possession, not even a dunk on somebody. He don't have nothing in the playoffs. Now, granted, he has a fifty point playoff game on his resume, so this isn't to say that he hasn't had great games. He had a thirty nine point. Uh, finals game against the Bulls, you know what I mean. So again, but, but what yeah. is he? But what is he most known for in the playoffs? He's probably most known for getting the ball stolen from him by Jordan before Jordan hit the shot in '98. That's probably the thing that he's most known for. Maybe I, I mean, mean he and uh, Stockton both are their careers are hinged on each other. I don't think they do either of them do what they do without each other because Carl Malone was a, a amazing scorer. He could get buckets. He could score the basketball, but he needed a guy to get him the ball all the time. And John Stockton was that guy. Like, I really don't want to score. I would prefer to give you the ball so you could score. And which helped John Stockton accomplish, all, get all these assists. Like they were freaking frack hand in hand. Like Joined I don't hip. think, I don't think these guys are the same players at all. Like just individual players. Like I don't think Michael Jordan wins titles without Scottie Pippen and stuff like that. But Michael Jordan is always going to be Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think Carl Malone is the player he is or John Stockton is the player they are without each other. If they got drafted different teams and played with different players, I don't think they're even talked about like they're talked about at this day, like 75 greatest or you know what I'm saying? Dream team. I don't believe they do it. I only think they do work in tandem. That's just my opinion. I could I guess, be wrong. But no, I don't think you're opinion. wrong. And I think the other thing that Malone is known for from a regular season standpoint is elbowing Isaiah Thomas in the head. <laughs> like, I think people yeah. remember him for that, but I don't, right. I just don't see, you know, when you play, like Carl Malone played like 20 seasons, 19 seasons, yeah. 21 yeah. seasons, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he played from 85 to 2004. Right. And he went to the playoffs basically every year. He yeah. almost never missed a game. And in spite of all that, he's got nothing that you remember <laughs> about him. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is why no, the moment thing matters. Like, I understand that. He's I got do. all the points. He's got two MVP awards. And he ain't do nothing that you can think of <laughs> in yeah, all those no, years. I like, that. like, he don't I have, do. like, like, I mean, like, again. Barkley's 56-point game is remembered in a way that's different from Malone's 50-point playoff game. Very true. You know what I mean? And, and, and Barkley, you know, like, has the game where he put his team on the shoulders and carried them to the finals. And, you know, 44-24s don't grow on trees, boys no, and girls. No, they don't. So, and I mean. To get back to Barkley, like, this is, this is the, where, where we at in NBA lore. Like, this is the 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 crowd that I don't talk basketball with because they believe that if you don't have a title you aren't great like that's what they believe like they truly are that and Chuck is that guy who fell in that spot well he doesn't have a championship so 
all his accolades and watching him play and the great thing. We all the moments you talked about were Phoenix Suns moments, but Charles Barkley in Philly with old Dr. J and old Moses Malone, if he would have been there a few years earlier, yeah, or Moses and Doc had a a little more left, we would be talking about uh, Charles Barkley's career totally different right. right now. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like people don't even know that Charles Barkley, the the six four guy with the bounce and you know what I'm saying? Crazy bounce. Dribble the ball coast to coast and crazy bounce and dunking on people. Like people don't even know that Charles Barkley. You know what I'm saying? Charles Barkley didn't shoot a three pointer until he got to Phoenix, I don't think. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let, Everything let me ask was you this, going to the basket. Yeah, yeah. And Everything so, so, was going to the basket. You couldn't stop him going to the basket. And here's something but, else. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say ahead. real quick. So they say that people, they talk about people who change the game. And I heard it on TV this week. They were talking about, and I, and I hate to, I feel like I'm beating up on them at this point. But they were talking about Steph Curry changing the game. Like earlier this week on television. Like, well, Steph changed the game. He's the reason why you know, blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, you know what? Charles Barkley didn't change the game. But do you know why Charles Barkley didn't change the game? Because nobody else can do what the hell Charles Barkley can do. Right. He's one of one. You feel me? What's more impressive? A guy who was so good at what he did that he made everybody else emulate it? Or the guy who was so good that he was totally unique as a talent that nobody else could emulate it? Right. Like I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I would venture to, you know, as I gave it some consideration, I, I started to think, you know, I think being the, the one of one is more unique or is, 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 more, is more impressive because you're literally the only guy who can do what you did. We have not seen a Charles Barkley enter the league since Charles Barkley, and we That's ain't going true. to. I guess the closest you could maybe argue is Zion, but I don't. Zion can't even stay on the court. You We've never court. seen nothing like Charles Barkley before or since, and I and I agree. think that makes him special apart from the fact that he's got a couple moments on his resume. Um, yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon was also in that era. Uh, he's got a couple on that I can think of. He, he's, he's got, uh, well, they show that spin move dunk versus Ewing in the finals. They show that a lot. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about where he takes some baseline. He yeah. does one dribble right, I think, and spins back left baseline and dunks. Yeah. They show yes. that highlight a lot. I, I think that qualifies as a moment. What definitely qualifies as a moment was when he roasted David Robinson after the the MVP ceremony. Yeah, uh, that game that that game was pissed off Hakeem, and I don't think I don't think people realize that Hakeem had a nasty streak in him because he seemed so humble no, and so nice and kind. Yeah. You know, even in his older years as a player, but you know, there's stories of Hakeem smacking Vernon Maxwell in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Like Hakeem right. wasn't no no chump out here either. And when he saw David Robinson. He was like, that's my MVP. And then he went out and embarrassed David Robinson in that game. That embarrassed him. That he and, did. Yeah, and so I think that stands out as a moment. The block on John Starks, I don't yeah. know if that qualifies. I mean, like, it was, a all, it was a great play. It sealed the championship for the Rockets, but maybe that doesn't quite make the list of a right. Kamalajwan moments. Right. We talked about, oh, and he also had the tip-in versus Orlando. He he tipped in that uh, I think it was in game one that overtime game in the oh, '95 yeah. finals. Yeah. He he tipped in that that uh, that miss that won the game for the for the for the Rockets and they ended up sweeping the, the Magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't you know I don't really feel like people talk about that enough. And so again maybe maybe the question becomes 
how much of this moment conversation is just like a popularity thing. <laughs> you feel me? Because Hakeem is popular, but not as popular as some others. You know what I mean? It's definitely a popularity and, and, thing. I and, would and, agree. Yeah, and Isaiah Thomas, you talked about that already, right? Yeah, I would agree. It's a popularity thing because, like I said, I've watched a lot of basketball in my 47 years and uh, you know, the, the, the center position has changed a lot. You know what I'm saying? When you got your, your, your big man shooting threes, uh, constantly and consistently, it's just, a, it's a different type game. They want to stretch the floor, but just raw talent wise, like a King mind was the most talented big man I've ever seen play basketball. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think that's footwork. A, of, yeah. Footwork is insane. Footwork, just, uh, Jump shot, you can, when they talk about when they talk about uh Charles Barkley not having nothing in his bag, Kareem had I mean Akeem had some stuff in his bag, you know what I'm saying? Right. The little right. dream shake, the footwork, and he he has a soccer background, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I'm they they said he didn't pick up a basketball until he went to college damn near. You know what I'm saying? He's like 17, 18 years old before he picked up a basketball. You know what I'm saying? And for him to be as accomplished of a basketball player as he was and as a pure raw talent with footwork and the way that he played the game is amazing. Like, Akeem Olajuwon, it's, that's, that's why I try, like I said, I don't have discussions with We're going to keep going back to this. Because <laughs> they, we are so, these people are so people at the moment. And you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I don't hate to beat up on Steph, but he's the guy at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he's the best point guard to ever play. Or he's second behind Magic and now he's taking over. Come on, man. Or he's top five ever to play basketball. Have you watched some of the players that play basketball? Like, have you ever watched the King Olajuwon play basketball to say Steph Curry is top five or Kobe and Jordan and then Steph? And, like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? This is why I don't have these conversations. That's why when we have our group conversations, this is why everything comes out because I don't talk to people anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jay Z, <laughs> wise man, told me don't argue with fools because people from, from a distance can't tell who exactly, was who. exactly. So I don't even get into it with these idiots because they have no idea <laughs> of what the game of basketball is supposed to be like. So they're stuck in this era. So everybody in this era is great, and this that, and everybody in this era is great. And Michael Jordan, you know, like he's the only player because he got all these championships, and Charles Barkley don't can't be great because he don't got no titles, and uh, a king. The reason why his resume is up because Jordan wasn't playing. If Jordan was there, they'd won eight straight, and the King wouldn't That's have no insane. Fight. Like this is ridiculous. This That's is insane. Uh, it's insane. It's insane. Like, e- like even argue. even even if you would argue that the Bulls would have beat the Rockets, I don't even know if that's true. But even if you want to argue that, I'll listen yeah. to that. But they're not winning three more after that. They're not. Right. Right. <laughs> they're just not. Exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that. That means they would have won five in a row at that point. There ain't no way in hell they're winning eight in a row. Like that's that's ridiculous. And exactly. And and and, and to be to 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 bring it back to Chuck one more time. The 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 bag thing is funny because like those people just like you said don't know what they're talking about because there's even as as pedestrian as that highlight looks. There's a lot of other times where Charles Barkley showed the bag that he had. It was it was part it, the fact that he had a bag it was what helped him be dominant as a scorer exactly. because he could play he was faster than all the other big men that was trying to check him you know what i'm saying he was because he was being guarded by six nine slow-footed guys and he was six four and a half and was and could run around guys or run through guys if he needed to 
Um, and, and he could take the ball down the court. And he had handles, oh, right. Yeah, yeah well, he was the like, first dude doing that. <laughs> exactly. This is what people this is what people don't know. They like in this era they would rather look good. You know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. they it's highlights of people making people look bad and missing shots. When is that a highlight? You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's not a highlight. You gotta make the shot for it to be a highlight. It's a low light if you don't make the <laughs> shot. You know what I'm saying? All That's the, like when Jada Kiss was like uh, talking when he was dis- beefing with Fifty. He was like, when, "Since when did it become cool to get shot and not shoot back?" Never. Right? Like <laughs> this is this is what we're this is the things we love. Like so, like I said, I I don't really have these discussions with people because they are stuck in their ways. Like like I said, Michael Jordan is pushed, and everybody loves Michael Jordan. And if you had any kind of uh, issue with Michael Jordan or if Michael Jordan if you won your titles while Michael Jordan wasn't there or you didn't like it, Michael Jordan valid. is the reason why LeBron is LeBron They everybody mad because LeBron is chasing titles Michael Jordan is the, that reason because soon as the year that they played the Celtics that he took his jersey off and walked back to the locker room at the beginning of that year which was year 7 oh if he don't win the title, he's not Michael Jordan. In the seventh year, right? you want to make this guy, you know what I'm saying, you're going to base his whole career, this guy who in the first seven seasons had took the Cavs to the NBA Finals after they stunk. He took the Cavs, although they got swept, he took the Cavs to the NBA Finals, went through a tough Detroit team, you know what I'm saying, overexceeded, was playing the big three in Boston, tough. I mean, they lost in game six and game, they weren't getting swept. They were with Booby Gibson and Ira Nubel and these, you know what I'm saying? He had Daniel Marshall and all of these guys, Larry Hughes and all these guys that people don't know about or won't talk about now. And he was playing tough series against the big three Celtics and all of this, but they reduced his career to, oh, year seven, he didn't win no titles. Now they mad that he's trying to win titles every year. And he's doing everything he can to win titles. You did that. Right. You did that. Like right. this, this is <laughs> this is the people I don't want to talk to about basketball because they want you to be something or want you to do something, and then when you try to do it, they got a narrative against you. They hold a narrative against hey, you. So this, this is this is why we have the podcast. Like you said, this is therapeutic, man. This is cathartic. You come here, you let it out. Um, you know who it won is. a lot of titles is Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And for Magic, you know, I have three moments for him. Actually, really more so two. And, and which sounds crazy again, but but you know, he yeah. only had. He, I mean, again, he only to me he only has two that I can think of. He had the game six, nineteen eighty, in the finals, where he played center, replacing Kareem, had forty two points or whatever, fifteen boards, twelve assists, ten assists, whatever it was. Yeah, and then to win the finals as a rookie, by the way, and then the, the jun- yeah, and then the junior junior skyhook in eighty seven in game four against the Celtics. Um, I, I started to, I contemplated like the one where he like gets the ball and throws it down the court and the clock runs out against the Blazers. But I don't really think that qualifies. Um, Cause I don't think most people think of that, but, um, and then Larry Bird, we talked about him stealing the ball and getting the assist to, to Dennis Johnson. Uh, the, the play where he fouled his own shot against the Rockets, where he missed the right. jumper, went to the baseline and scooped it in all in one motion off the oh. rebound. Yeah, they show that a lot. The, the duel versus Dominique Wilkins in '87, he scored yeah. 20 points in the fourth quarter and outdueled Dominique. Um, and then there's, to a lesser extent, the game where he hit his head on the court against the Pacers and came back 
I think he had 15 points when he got hurt. He came back, finished with 29, I believe, and knocked right. out the Indiana Pacers when he was an old man by his standards. That was 1991. Um, so that's like, again, there's plenty more great plays, plenty more great you know things that Larry Bird and Magic did, but like that's I got four moments for Bird. I got two for Magic. Yeah, you know? but yet and still, people I think generally feel like Magic was a greater player. So I don't know. And then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I guess I guess now is as good a time as any to talk about Jordan real quick because I think Michael Jordan. You know, you you've made a thousand good points about Michael Jordan. In fact, I credit you for kind of desensitizing me to Jordan because I was the kid that they were trying to influence in the McDonald's ads. Sometimes I dream, right? It's me and Jordan's patting a kid on the ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when 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 Michael Jackson at the same time was getting accused for stuff for kids and it was it was it was a nightmare. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, patting kids on the ass in the Gatorade commercial, and it's all good. You know, but I'm watching yeah. these commercials off the wall, off the ceiling, and you know, on the sneakers and Space Jam. Like that was me. Like I was the kid that grew up in that generation that was, you know, and even though I never really bought into it fully because I always liked Barkley better, even as a small child, but. Right. I, I always liked Michael Jordan too, but you were the first person who really introduced me to the concept. Like, you know what? Michael Jordan may not be the greatest player ever. And like, there are other great players besides just him. And so, but when I think of Jordan's moments, he's got a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. And so it, is it that he's popular because he has all these moments or is it because that he has all these moments that he's so popular? You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. is, are his moments, did they just become manufactured over time because he was such a great, he was such a fan favorite, or did the fans gravitate to him because he was so great in these so many moments? And so when I think of, he's got the 63 point game against the Celtics in the playoffs. He's got the baseline dunk against Ewing in the playoffs where he spun one way, went back baseline, dunked over Ewing. And that don't even count the other time he went to the hole on Ewing and then he's screaming at the camera on the baseline that was a separate play I, w- I wasn't even talking about that one but I just thought of it just now he's got the shot over Craig Elo which has been replayed to death uh, much to yeah. the chagrin of every Cleveland fan he's got right. the switch hands move in the air against the Lakers in his first finals um, you know when, when he comes one side and flips it up at the other side Marv Albert on the call he's got the shot versus the Utah Jazz he's got the other shot versus the Utah Jazz he's got the right. flu game He's got the shrug game against the the Blazers where he hit like five or six threes in the first half and he shrugs. Like, he's got a lot of moments. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think, I mean, that, that has to count for a lot. Like, I think, like, when people, when we talk about the reason why everybody's favorite player was Michael Jordan, I mean, this dude had some real memorable moments that I think were not strictly, like, a factor of just people liking him. And so they replay it a lot just because he's popular. Like, I think these were like legitimate for the most part, legitimate all time moments, all time stuff that he was doing. And that's why we revere him the way we do. No, I agree. I agree to an extent, to an extent, because they do show his moments. Like I said, Michael Jordan has one of the prettiest basketball games I've ever seen. That doesn't make him the greatest opinion, but beautiful to watch. Very beautiful. So you're going to have highlights just because of that. You know what I'm saying? Certain things are, like you said, the switch hand shot. Like certain things are very pretty. You know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? And that you watch it and you look at it. But let me play devil's advocate right now. 
they do you think and you're from Cleveland and you watch Cleveland, do you think LeBron has that many playoff moments? I think LeBron has more playoff moments. I'm glad you asked. So let's run it down. Um, I, I have, I ha- okay. So again, I, I have, um, and so uh, the, you know, obviously this is not you know a draconian type thing. Like, I mean, this can be debated. You know, what I'm saying. So I'm not saying that my yeah, list yeah, of moments because yeah. you have to cut it off at some point because not not everything rises to the to the to that level. But I th- I th- I have LeBron down for the 48 against the Pistons. I have him down for the game winner against Orlando. I have him down for the game winner against Chicago. I got him down for the block. I got him down for the dunk on Kevin Garnett in 2008. I got him down for the game six in Boston with Miami in 2012. Mm-hmm. And of course the three, one comeback against the Warriors, just as a, as a whole, like that, that three, one comeback against the 73 win Warriors. That's definitely a moment. So that's like seven moments, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and there's definitely stuff to your point that's left on the cutting room floor. Right. Right. And like so, you, you, you could say the Indiana layup backdoor game winner. You could, yeah, I mean, there's, there's other. Yeah, there's definitely like other game winners. But I'm like, just saying, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, this is the thing. You know, what I'm saying, like, all they show is the block and the. You know, what I'm saying, like, they, <laughs> they don't like the reason why they keep showing this Jordan thing is it's a Jordan narrative push. You cannot tell me it's not a Jordan narrative push. Look at Steph Curry; he's the guy. Steph Curry got a whole bunch of moments for a guy who. Won his first MVP last year, Finals MVP. Like he doesn't show up in the playoffs like that, but he got a ton of moments that they show for playoffs because he's the guy that they love. And well, I don't think what- I don't think that's true. Hold on, I don't think that I don't think Steph has. I only have him down for two moments, to be honest with you, Steph. I, I think of the 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 fifth the uh, the game four of the finals last year against the Celtics, where he took he clearly took over that game and won that yeah, game. Yeah, he definitely took that game over. And then, and then, I have the fifty-point game against Sacramento this year. Now, Steph Curry has a ton of great games in his career in the playoffs. Right. He's got like a lot of thirty-point games, a lot of twenty-nine and ten assist games. Like he's got a lot of great games, but I don't feel like any one of them really stand out on that upper upper echelon level. That like when we when he's gone and he's retired. That we're gonna look back and be like, oh, remember that time, Steph? Like, no, I agree, I I agree totally. But you see, like I said, when you see NBA highlights, like he's on highlights. Like when they show playoff highlights, they show him shooting the ball and turning his back and doing all of this. Like this is the guy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, but like you said, he only has a couple real moments where you know, you know what I'm saying that. I, like I said, I, 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 I've seen the narrative pushed a long, a long time. But they won't tell you, you know what I'm saying, that Michael Jordan is the greatest system quarterback to ever play sports. <laughs> they won't say that. <laughs> they won't say that. They, they won't tell, They tried to say Tom Brady was that. He had to leave and go to Tampa and win the Super Bowl for him not to be a system quarterback. Now he's right. just a cheater because they need something to, you know what I'm saying, downgrade of who he is. But. Right. Where did uh, Michael Jordan? Where did Michael Jordan win titles from at? And who did he win them with? Well, he won them with Dean Smith and Phil Jackson, who both were successful and won titles without him. Exactly. And in the pros, all Phil Jackson. Yeah. And, and, and guess Phil, what? Phil had a lot of success. Again, 
Phil Jackson made another hole with Coach. <laughs> Same thing. It's the system. It's the system yeah. quarterback. He's a system quarterback. I'm not saying Michael Jordan is not great, but the things that they try to nitpick at LeBron or whoever else is in the greatest conversation, they never nitpick at Jordan. They never nitpick. And if you want to nitpick, that's the biggest nitpick thing in the, on the planet. Yeah, and, and from a and from a moment standpoint, you could throw in the Nick Anderson steal, and yeah. and yeah. you know, and that that whole that series, the way he ended that series, I've written an article about it. It's on the website. Y'all can check it out on hiphopsportsupport dot com. But the the way that that game six in that Orlando series in ninety five, Jordan was horrendous in the final minutes yeah. of that elimination game, and it cost him. It's the funny thing about it is they act like it doesn't count. Like right. nobody mentions that Orlando series loss. Oh, right. uh, he only played. A- half a year. Ain't nobody tell him to come back. <laughs> you know <what> like, <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a pass for everything. Like, the Wizards years didn't exist. Like, I had somebody honestly tell me, if LeBron won the title this year, then he might be on the scale with Michael Jordan. In year 20? Where was Michael Jordan at in year 20? Five years retired in year 20. You sound like me talking what? about Brady. Like what are what are what are we what are we doing? Like I said, it's a, it's a narrative that I don't like to talk about in sports because people are not like you can't. Uh, he's their basketball guy. You can't say anything bad about him because they tune you out. But if you listen to the things I say, you actually would learn something. You know what I'm saying? Like, game. <laughs> yeah. Or something about what what is going on. Like I said, I've I've never said Michael Jordan was a bad basketball player. Michael Jordan is one of the ten greatest, five greatest, whatever greatest basketball players to ever lace him up. But he's the the things that people give him credit for, and the things that they take away from other guys is imbalance. Yeah, you if sound would, you sound exactly like the Brady. And like you know, I've said on the podcast before, like you know, like I had people tell me that it, it wasn't until Brady had the 28 to three comeback against Atlanta that they was ready to consider him to go. And it's like, why did he have to accomplish all that to become the why GOAT? Did, when exactly. he, he already had four titles before that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Is, and two is, MVPs or whatever. I'm just like, come on. Like we, we just, we've, we've gotten to a point in sports where you, where you like somebody and that trumps everything. And we, we're, we're being dishonest or we're being, like I said, everybody has, people they lean towards favoritism like you love Charles Barkley it's a lot of things that you know about Charles Barkley that other people don't know and you can defend him the same way with me with Isaiah Thomas and that's fine if you like LeBron or you like Jordan and you want to defend against somebody but like it's sacrilegious to say something bad about Michael Jordan and it's a lot bad about Michael Jordan you know what I'm saying like there he is you know what I'm saying and this is where we end up at and like I said, to go back to the moments thing, he has some great moments, but a lot of these same moments, like like you said, I'm, you're sure that uh, Magic Johnson has more moments or Isaiah Thomas has more moments. If they push those moments, you can't mm-hmm. be in the playoffs every year like those guys have and be the best player on your team like those guys have or be a player like Isaiah Thomas who's bested Michael Jordan, bested Larry Bird and bested Magic Johnson and only has two moments. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's just yeah. because they're not those moments. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's just what it is. I think I think you could very well be right about that. 
So I'm going to touch on a few other guys. So, so like Kobe, you mentioned Kobe earlier. He had the Pacers takeover when he was 21 years old in the finals, which he did take over the game. It was like three bas- three baskets in overtime. I don't want to like try to downplay it, but I mean like, you know, three baskets. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what it was. Yeah. He had the buzzer beater against the Suns, but again, like that. So he had, when I say buzzer beaters, in that game against Phoenix, I believe he had he hit a jumper to force overtime at the buzzer, and then in overtime he got the tip off the loose ball and then stuck another jumper at the elbow, and then that right. was that. Um, he had the dunk on Steve Nash. I think that was in the playoffs. He had a game ceiling shot against the Pistons in Game Two of the O Four Finals, and he had the lob right. to Shaq against Portland in Game Seven of the tw- uh, Two Thousand Western Conference Finals. So that's like four or five moments. I don't think that any of those moments were that great you yeah. know what i'm saying and that's just me you know what i'm saying and kobe had a lot of bad moments too he had the air balls yeah. against utah when he was a young player he had the six for 24 game seven against the celtics in 2010 he shot right. the lakers out of that 04 pistons finals that was the, that was the pistons game plan larry brown even said as much like our game plan is to force kobe to think he's the man and he shot them right out of the series and he quit right. in that game against the suns too in in, in uh i think it was 06 he quit against he quit on uh or maybe 07, he quit. Yeah. On, he quit on the uh, on the Lakers against yeah. Phoenix. So he had some. Whereas Kobe has a ton of regular season moments, though, and I he think does. that kind of elevates him and props him up. Shaquille O'Neal, uh, the only has I, I I can only count. He had the lob from Kobe against the Blazers, and he had that run of three straight Finals MVPs, which I would kind of lump together as as one moment. Um, right. Tim Duncan had uh, the near quadruple double against the Nets. And yep. and that's about it. Like he, you know, I mean, like again, not a big moment. He done. He did a lot of winning, but not yeah. a big moment guy. He had he had a huge shot against the Lakers right before Derek Fisher shot. He had a shot against Shaq to give the Spurs the lead. Right, yeah, and then Fisher made the shot. That right, and then Fisher Fisher made that. the shot with point four. But yeah, like. Tim Duncan is a yeoman guy. Like he's not going to have a lot of moments. Probably like. Jokic is going to end up not having a lot of moments. He's going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, just the way they play basketball is not a, like, big moment type guy. Uh, I think Shaq probably has more moments, but they don't show a lot of moments because uh, a lot of his winning was with Kobe and they had their inner struggle. Like, Kobe is a beneficiary. I Like, I love Kobe, but Kobe is a beneficiary of not only his myth has grown since he's passed away and retired, but yeah. I mean, passed away, retired, then passed away. His myth has grown, but also I hate to say it again, hate to throw this people going. <laughs> other people's legacies, but Kobe is the heir apparent to Jordan and to downgrade LeBron. They have to throw Kobe in there. Like they use Kobe. Like people argue that Kobe was a better player. Like he has a, LeBron, how's he the greatest player you have to play Kobe yet? Are you serious? Like, are I you? I think serious? that's nuts. I think that that is absolutely absurd. They throw Kobe in there to kind of deflect the LeBron thing. Like, it's like yeah. they use Kobe. Like, people love Kobe, and Kobe should be loved. And Kobe has some great times, and like you say, he also has some bad times. But he had some great times. He was a great basketball player. But they use Kobe for their Jordan argument a lot. And it's, it's, it's really sad. You know what I'm saying? In my opinion, that's what I see. They kind of 
deflect, use him to deflect off the LeBron and Jordan thing. So they throw Kobe in there as another obstacle or holder. LeBron has to get over to get to Jordan. And it's, it's unfair, especially because Kobe does have his own legacy, but. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that though, so because I didn't have to be the one to say it. Because I, because to be honest with you, I hate having to be the one to to say these things about Kobe because he's gone. Um, right. And and you know and you know, but I I mean I was saying this stuff back when he was still playing, and I'm just like, right. I I I never really fully. I just don't really buy the Mamba mentality thing to the extent that other people do. I'm not saying that he wasn't a ferocious competitor. I'm not saying that he wasn't one of the hardest workers because that's it's obvious that he was. Clear. But I also certain things that's clear and obvious. Yeah. But I but I also think you you kind of we kind of play the results with Kobe a little bit. I'll give you an example. Um they they love to used to call Carmelo Anthony a ball stopper. Right. They don't they don't use that word they don't use that they don't use that label on players who win or right. i mean like 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 or players that they just like even if they right. play the same style so carmelo right. you know you i mean carmelo would hold the ball hold the ball make his moves jab step whatever jumper like you think kobe didn't do that you think kobe didn't jack up a lot of shots like ah. kobe absolutely ah. did those things i don't think it's fair to label somebody like melo a ball stopper and not kobe you know what i'm saying but the crazy thing about it is Jordan did the same thing. Both yeah. Jordan and Kobe did the same thing before they got in the, the, the triangle. Right. Jordan, the reason why Shaq and Kobe couldn't get along because Kobe was the ball stopper when they needed to run the offense through Shaq. Right. But when Phil came back the second time, he ran the triangle through Kobe like he did with Jordan and they don't become ball stoppers at that time because they get the ball on the elbow. Even though Kobe, everybody knew Kobe wasn't about to pass the ball on the elbow from the elbow. Neither was Mike more than likely either, but mm-hmm. it just looks different. Aesthetically, it looks different than catching the ball at the top of the key. And like you said, jab, step, jab, step, jab, step. It looks different with your back to the basket and you can actually, if somebody doubles, kick it out to a three point shooter or shoot the turnaround or whatever, it looks different, but, both of those guys are the same, but Melo gets the raw deal because it's Melo. He didn't win. Nobody, he's not nobody's fan favorite. So that's what happened. I, I guess Kobe that's what happened. Ball. They were saying that before Shaq left. You know what I'm saying? Kobe, the narrative on Kobe changed a lot when Phil oh came back. <laughs> but we can what? talk about that for a whole podcast. But you know what I'm saying? Like the narrative changed a lot. And like I yeah. said, I love Kobe as a basketball player. I hated some of the stuff he did as a basketball player, but I loved him as a basketball player. But you know what I'm saying? The, like you said, it's a results thing and the narrative over time changed. Yeah. Well, the, well the narrative, well, I, I hate when people try to put up a picture of the 09 Lakers and, and be like, Kobe dragged this team to a championship. LeBron can't win. And I'm just like, <laughs> That 09 Lakers team was freaking loaded. Like, and people just loaded. Like, they they were the tallest team and the longest team in the league because they had Kobe, right. who got good size at the two guard, but then they had Lamar Odom at the three, plus Trevor Ariza, Pau Gasol, and Andrew Bynum. And Pau Gasol is is a, a, a Hall of Fame caliber player. He is a Hall of Fame caliber player. Yeah, and he won. Pau Gasol was the best player on a team in the West that won 50 games. You know what I'm saying? Where he was the best player. 
Kobe right. never won 50 games on a team in the West that didn't have either Shaq or Pau Gasol on it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, uh, I'm just like, you know, like like that team was unbelievable. And it had Phil Jackson as a coach. But people act like Kobe carried that group. It's like, no, that group was the tallest and longest team in basketball. Like, that team was incredible. But they talk they act like Kobe carried the 09 and 2010 Lakers to titles. I don't get that. Funny thing about it, while we uh talking that, uh, I get to take my other dig at Michael Jordan real quick. Uh, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen was Pau Gasol too. He scored. He won fifty games without Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan never won fifty games without Scottie Pippen. Right, right, right. So you know, we. I mean, we can spin the narrative whatever way we want to spin. You're beating but, down, you know, dude. You're beating down Jordan like uh, uh, Joe Pesci and his brother got beat down with the shovels in the casino, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, so we we need a little reality in our conversations sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, everybody, uh, it's it's so funny how you know what I'm saying. People can take dumps on LeBron or whoever all day, but when you say something bad about Steph Curry or Michael Jordan, you a hater. Why can't I just be honest? Like you are so called being honest with the LeBron thing. It's hate noise. It's just my opinion. Everybody want to be on LeBron, and they act like he never did nothing wrong. But I got all this stuff that I got all this stuff against Jordan. I got all this stuff against Steph that says the same thing. But we don't want to argue it because these are the same favorites. Let's be honest and have real discussions, and then we won't have to. I mean, everybody like we talk about now. That's why I'm not on social media because everybody has an opinion, and everybody can post their opinion. And some opinions for people shouldn't be heard, honestly. <laughs> A lot of opinions from people shouldn't no, be heard because no, they, they, don't the, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So every time I get to take a dig at people's favorites, I do. But it's hey, not I'm, a dig. It's not an unfounded dig. These are all true statements. Go check them out. Well, I know one person who I'll never get to have as a guest on this podcast. It's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. I I, I, I don't <laughs> think I think he took that personally. <laughs> yeah, he probably did everything he took personally. I mean, like I said, I think Michael Jordan is a great player. I think he's a top three, five, ten, whatever. Because everybody has their opinion. My before my father passed away, you couldn't tell him Michael Jordan was a top ten player. It just that's not the basketball he watched. He grew up watching Jerry West and Oscar Robinson and Wilt Chamberlain, and you couldn't tell him Michael Jordan was better than those guys. I, it's just what it is, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So everybody has their opinion, their errors, or whatever. I never in my life said Michael Jordan wasn't a great basketball player or one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. But I think he gets unfairly ranked and it's because of that thing. Like he's the NBA poster boy. And like I said, I see the same thing now with Steph Curry. Like he can't do anything wrong in anybody's eyes. You know what I'm saying? And like we talk about it all the time, like the the taunting and all the stuff that he does that people call Bush League and other people and stuff like that. It's oh, he look how much fun, how much he loves the game, and he dancing in front of people's benches and turning his back on them. Like if like if LeBron did that, that would be oh my goodness. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just certain people get away with certain stuff because they're the face, and these guys are the face. And I don't knock them. I think Steph Curry is a great player, and I think he's a great shooter i don't think he's the greatest shooter i would say he's the greatest three-point shooter of all time but his mid-range and all like to me clay's mid-range and other shots were always better than steph like steph was the guy that can make a shot walking into the gym and he would make some amazing three-pointers and he still makes amazing three-pointers but he misses a lot more layups than i would like 
the greatest shooter to miss and a lot more mid ranges than I would like for the greatest shooter to miss. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I, I watch the games. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not being biased. <laughs> I'm just watching the basketball game. Like, right. And then he's not clutch. <laughs> not, actually, not, not really. Well, well so my thing with Steph, I, he's not super clutch and he's not, uh, I, I, I don't think smart. he's a very high. I, I, yeah, he's not he's a not high smart. IQ player. Like yeah, I think people, most people would scoff at that notion. But if he's you watch smart. Steph Curry, man, he is not a high IQ player. He's a he's a genius at yes. scoring off the ball. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, spacing the floor out, getting creating his own shot. He's a genius at those aspects of the game. Gen- and I don't use that word lightly. He's a genius at those things. No, he's he is, he is not a smart player. When it comes to defending without fouling, knowing time and situation, even this, despite his, his immense making dis- down the stretch, right? Despite his immense talent, his shot selection is not always that great. Okay, shot selection down the stretch in yeah. important games, like right, right. So I don't, you know, but that's not here. Let me let me let me wrap up this this segment a little bit. So so I, I there's a couple <laughs> other current guys, you know, what I'm saying I I think I so I love Chris Paul. We know that. He really only has right. like one true moment. He's got a lot of great games. He's got far more great playoff games than people will ever, ever give him credit for. And you can look up right. his game logs. But he's got that game winner over Tim Duncan to to close out the uh, San Antonio Spurs, a game that we you and I watched together in Las Vegas, actually. Right. Uh, the yep. same the same night that Floyd Mayweather beat Manny Pacquiao. But that that game is like the only game that he really has. And what sucks for Chris is that it took place in the first round. So if he knocks out that he knocked out the defending champion Spurs with Duncan and Kawhi Leonard on a bad hamstring, hitting the game winning shot in game seven, that should count for a lot, but it really doesn't for most people because it happened in the first round. But if it happened in the conference finals, it, it he might be looked upon a little bit differently, but that you know, that's he's got other smaller moments, but that's basically the only real one of substance I could come up with. Um, you've talked a lot about Jason Tatum recently. You feel like Jason Tatum hasn't always come through. Uh, he did dunk on LeBron as a rookie. I think that that kind of yeah. counts. Um, I think what more so, and he had that game winner against the Nets last year in the playoffs. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I think time will tell if these if these moments stand the test of time. These are like pre moments. Like I, I can't even call right. them moments yet because I don't. We don't know how Tatum's career is going to be remembered just yet. But he did have two monster games. Game six against the Bucks last year uh, when they were down three two to force Game seven in Milwaukee, forty seven points and uh, nine boards, hit seven threes. Game seven against Philly this year, fifty one points, hit six threes. Those. Games may end up hold may hold up over time. I think so. Like I said, I to go with Chris. I think his issue is just the injuries, and all people look at that. So his playoff moments are kind of killed because when it was time to clutch time or down the stretch, he's not there. He's injured. You know what I'm saying? So people look at him a little funny. But yeah, Chris, I know Chris has a lot of. Uh, excellent playoff games. And I know Chris has done a lot to put his team in positions to win in playoff series, but like I said, injuries kind of cost him. Yeah. With Jason Tatum, it's just I see so much in Jason Tatum. Like I like so much of him as a basketball player in the game. I just he's shrinks down the strip. I don't he I don't know what it is. Like he 
he, they blame this one on the injury. And yeah, it was a pretty bad twist of an ankle. But before the twist of the ankle, like two games before that in that series, he did the same thing down the street. Actually, he had the same stat line in, I want to say, game three, the first game in uh, Miami, as he did in, say, in game seven. If you look at the stats, they're pretty much identical. And he wasn't hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This is the guy that he's showing to be. I don't know if he needs more experience, more time, more whatever, but I want to count on Jason Tatum because I like Jason Tatum a lot as a basketball player, but I wouldn't bet on Jason Tatum. (laughs) He's not, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, he's still young and he's got time to grow and mature and grow into these moments because everybody doesn't come ready prepared you know what i'm saying everybody has to take their own steps in their certain way but we'll see as it comes down would, the line would, like you, said. would you would you bet on Giannis? would i bet on Giannis? i'm because i'll tell I'm, you this you you're you're, 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 you're you know you're stammering a little bit and so Giannis has by my count three moments and they all occurred within two games of the same series yeah. It was the finals against the Suns two years ago. He had the lob that he caught from Drew Holiday, and then he's staring into the camera. Mm-hmm. He's got the block on DeAndre Ayton, I believe, in game six that ended up sealing it. And I think that was game six he had the block. Maybe not. Maybe that was game four or something. I don't remember. But And then he had the 50-point, the 50-piece nugget in game six. That game, I think, qualified. You you close out some a, a team in the finals with a 50-burger. 50, 50 oh, no, no. No, no, that that right there was like I'm not I'm not overly impressed with Giannis just because I don't like his game is I don't I'm not really impressed by his game, but that's impressive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that 50 point game to close out, that's impressive. And he scores and he gets what his I don't know, his game is really, really one dimensional, like very one dimensional. And yeah, he's hard to stop. Like he's long, he got uh he's strong, he's quick, he get to the basket, but if you crowd the paint on Giannis, I'm not impressed. Like he's gonna he doesn't, to he doesn't have a counter really. <laughs> yeah, he, he's gonna have to get a lot of a lot better at the game of basketball if he wants to sustain I mean he's gonna be able to score and do the the thing that he is because he's a freak. That's why his name is the freak. You know what I'm saying? But he, he's going to have to get better all around game. Well, he, he's an all time great player already. I mean, he's no, already, he is. No, he's would, already I there. Agree. I um, would agree. I just like, he needs more variety to his game for his teams to win, to win. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's slowly going to become a, a stat stuffer guy with a team that can't win. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, what I see because if you play him a certain way, you kind of take him out of the game, but you have to overplay, which makes other guys, you know what I'm saying? Better. But I would, if you got to let uh, Bobby Portis and Drew holiday, I would rather those guys beat me than let Giannis keep getting to the cup and keep, Getting and ones and dunks and five, but he's going to have to work on a jump shot. You know what I'm saying? Have a threat of a three pointer in the league that we're in now, consistently that you're worried about. 
make free throws consistently and or he's just going to be a guy with a lot of stats and not wins like as a Chris Paul fan I'm still pissed that he made every free throw he took in that game 650 point game he shot like 25 free throws and made 24 he did he and did. it's like you would never see him do that before or since. Ever. But but against my guy, uh, he can't miss a free throw. It's like you he, gotta he be kidding me. Um, so, like Giannis is, like I said, Giannis is an all time great player now. But he he kind of reminds me of Dwight Howard. Like Dwight Howard doesn't get the credit that Dwight Howard should get. I mean, for what he did when he was dominant. You know what I'm saying? Like. He has some dominant years. I've never been a like Dwight Howard's game, but once they figured out how to play Dwight Howard, wasn't nothing else he could really do. (laughs) Like he went to Japan or Korea or whatever. (laughs) Like he's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's nothing he could really do. He stopped becoming the first option. And I think Giannis is on the way to that because like when you lose to ACs, Miami figures out how to play you. And other teams will figure out how to play you for you not to win. And I don't know. Like, even I'm though he was well, even though he pressure. was banged up, even though Giannis is banged up in that Miami series, that that's got to be a ding on his resume losing in the first round. As a yeah, it series. does, it does. And everybody's um, banged up at the, at that point in the time. I mean, he might have been a little more banged up. I'm not gonna hold that against him, but yeah, it's definitely a ding against him. So three three more players I wanted to get to, and then we'll close it out. Um, okay. One of them is Kevin Durant, who, frankly, I'm not sure if he has any moments other than the two shots he hit against the Cavs in game in three in 17 and 18. He, he hit a shot yeah. over LeBron or not. Well, one of them was over LeBron. The other one, I think he was open, but they were both threes from the same spot on the court to go up right. three nothing. And he did it back to back years. I think those moments qualify, but. On that super duper team, I you know I'm still yeah. less than impressed. If you if you want to do a fun exercise, go back and look at Durant's highlights from uh, the 2017 finals. Like if you look at his highlights from the entire finals, he's got like wide open lanes to the basket, and he's just getting layups and dunks the entire series. He may I mean he was great in that series, but man, was yeah. his life made easy by the players around him. Yeah, and if definitely. you think about it, he doesn't really have any other signature moments. Like even guys like Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard's got three point series winners right. at the buzzer right. that people can attach to his name. Kevin Durant really doesn't have anything like that. So that's one thing. And then I want to touch on touch on uh, Jokic, Nikola Jokic, and Jimmy Butler. So I think you mentioned earlier, Jokic probably not going to have a lot of these moments. I don't think he really has any yet. I mean, maybe that one legged three over Anthony Davis that he made in the last round might hold up. I don't know as a highlight. Jimmy Butler's got a fuge. He's got the 56-point game against Milwaukee this year. He's got the 47-point game six in Boston last year, which maybe that won't hold up. I mean, it was an amazing game, but maybe it – I don't know how well-remembered that game is going to be because I right. frankly forgot about it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, so, I don't remember offhand either. I so remember I the game in, in the bubble against the Lakers. Well, yeah, no, he did have a game in the bubble against the Lakers. He had one massive game in the bubble in the finals. So there's that one. He had that layup against Milwaukee as well this year to force overtime when they threw the lob to him at the rim. Yeah. Um, and then what's weird, he, I mean, he, this entire current playoff run could probably qualify as a moment for Jimmy. What's also weird though, 
that practice that he had with the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> like somehow that's made it into the conversation about Jimmy Butler. Like that is part of Jimmy Butler, Butler lore. Lore, yeah. That that practice against against the Bucks. So you know, I mean, I don't know. What do we learn tonight? I mean, I, I just kind of wanted to have this conversation. We we talked for a long time. We trashed Steph Curry. We trashed Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> if you like Michael Jordan or Steph Curry, you're probably not going to like this podcast too much. But but what did we learn? Like, like, I mean, I guess I'm trying to close this out and think of like, you know, what does it mean when you don't have any moments like Carl Malone? What does it mean when you have a lot of moments like Michael Jordan or LeBron? What does it mean when if you're if you have as many bad moments or or you know as that are equal you have as many bad moments as good moments like what does that mean or, or if you have more regular season than playoff moments or if your moments outweigh your stats and everything like Reggie Miller kind of like i guess what would be your grand conclusion of all that we discussed tonight my grand conclusion is what has always been uh basketball uh since we're talking about it specifically but any sport it's not really cut and dry with, you know, um, like greatness and uh, things of that nature. It's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. Like, like there is stats. You have to have stats. Like you said, you have to have moments. You have to have, um, you know, um, did something that advanced the game or did something different that people uh, recognize about you or and things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like gumbo. You know what I'm saying? You can't. Mm-hmm. Make it without all the ingredients, and people try. These are these are the arguments we have. Like, yeah, it's cool to be popular, but it's not a popularity contest. Like, just because people don't like you, don't mean you're not great. You know what I'm saying? It's it's things like that that we have to integrate into our conversations and have real honest conversations, which takes a lot of the biasness out of it. I mean, like every like I said, everybody is biased to an extent, but you have to have factors that equal to something bigger. It's like, like you said, Nick Wright can't be all stats. Can't be all, Oh, look at the box score. Box score is not going to tell you everything. It can't be all look at the tape. I had a guy, a young kid tell me, uh, the reason why, uh, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player ever seen is, uh, because I saw like he was like, look, I saw, I, I, I watched the, the tape. I'm like, I saw him play live. Like, it's, it's, your <laughs> argument is that you watch some highlights. There are highlights for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right, they right. show all the best things. Like, right. but he's really arguing me, and he never really watched Michael Jordan play. Like, he saw highlights. You know what I'm saying? So it's more than just the highlights. It's more than just the box scores. It's more than just the moments. But all of these things add up and. Some, like you said, sometimes the moments are the things that will uh, change your perspective. Sometimes the stat line will change your. We're not even talking about. Let me uh, end it with this. I was looking, listening to a podcast, and this guy's. We haven't even talked about him because he's not on the greatest list or whatever. But I was uh, li- uh, watching the podcast or whatever, and Gilbert Arena w- was on there, and they were asking him, like, one-on-one, uh, could he beat certain guys, like Kyrie or, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever he was saying. Yeah. He was like, me, me, this, that, this, that. And they're looking at him like he's crazy. But if you notice, like, 
Gil had a stretch before he injured his back or whatever. Like, if you looked at Gil's numbers, like, he had like a 28 point year season, a 30 point game year, points a game year season. Like, I forgot, you know what I'm saying? Like, about Gilbert Arenas and how he used to put up a lot of buckets, you know what I'm saying? But if you just looked at them stats, and you don't know nothing. You're like, yeah, Gilbert Arenas was the best guard in the league at that time. Uh, no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he was a better than what I recall because all I know is LeBron sending them home every spring. <laughs> That's what it was. Like clockwork. Clockwork. Right, right. right. It, it happened. It, the Hawks, the Raptors, and first and foremost, the Washington Wizards, LeBron, it, you knew it was spring when he sent them home in the playoff series. That's what yeah. it was. So, but you forget guys like that. So if you look at just that, you're like, oh, he averaged 30.4 points that year. He had to be the, the best two guard. He didn't even make the all-star team where he was like a reserve. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? So you, all of these things in conjunction is what makes a great player. And the moments count. And people have to look at the moments, but you can't base your whole argument on moments you know what i'm saying so right. my thing is it's 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 a whole picture that needs to be painted and it's different parts of the picture that needs to be painted when we're talking about the greatest players in the history of any league i think that that's an excellent point to end on and one of the, the things that you said that i think stuck out the most to me in that was First, I, the the overall point is is correct. Like it's 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 an amalgam of of all these different things that go into the narrative of these players. And far, but but the problem is, is that when we get into these online debates and conversations, as you pointed out, far too often we we fall into the trap of segmenting the conversation off into one aspect of it in order to suit our argument, right? You know, if the stats favor one guy over another guy, then you're going to go with those stats. You know what I'm saying? A buddy of mine told me a, a, a line uh, that he heard from one of his professors, from one of his economics professors from back in the day. And he said, shout out my man, Aaron, uh, for this one. But he told me that his professor once told him that figures never lie, but liars figure. Right? Uh. So it's like, yeah, like the, the stats lie. Like, no, the stats don't lie. However, there's enough data out there that you can twist it to fit any narrative or argument you want to make about any player just about. That's very true. And so we need more nuanced discussion when having these conversations on this level, talking about players of this stature. It's just... We just have to do it because otherwise we're doing a disservice to these players and their legacies and to the game. And we're passing behind us a clouded, convoluted understanding of what basketball was or is. So people aren't going to look at Reggie Miller and think that he was nothing because, well, he only made three All-NBAs and whatever. He played in the same conference as Michael Jordan. He's not going to make... <laughs> a bunch of all NBA teams, you know what I'm saying, in that era. But Mike, but he went nose to nose with Jordan and was and was giving Jordan fits because yep. Reggie Miller was a dog. He had the dog in him, and he birthed this era of three point shooting that we're watching today because he influenced the guy that y'all credit for influencing everybody else. Yes. 
it's it's the moments, it's the context, it's the statistics, it's the accolades, the resume, the winning. It's not solely the winning. Even if you want to say it's the most important, it's not just the winning. So I think all of that has to go into the discussion. And I think you did a brilliant job of, of positioning that for us the right way as we close out this this evening, man. So I appreciate your time as always. And thank you for the insights and apologies to the families of Michael Jordan and Stephen Curry. <laughs> they had to endure for the last however long we've been on the air, 90 minutes, whatever it's been. Um, thank you, cousin. Always appreciate you, Vince, coming through. Check us out, oh. hiphopsportsupport.com. Yeah, what'd you say, man? I said, always enjoy it. Appreciate you having me. And uh, the disclaimer, Jordan and uh, Curry fans, listen, we don't hate Jordan and Curry. We just want to bring it, inject a little realism and realness into the conversation, but Two all-time great players, undeniable that they're two all-time great players. But let's let's get real nuanced discussions back into sports and not show too much favoritism. I had a ball tonight, cousin. Yeah, man, and, and you know I don't know how successful this podcast is going to be at that, but we tried. We we gave it the old college try, man, and we put it out there for the people to hear. So let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Go ahead and defend Michael Jordan, defend Steph Curry. Not that those guys need defending, really, but you know people are going to do it anyway. So bring it on. I'd love to hear about it, and I'll be sure to pass it along to my cousin who absolved from social media. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> it's the Hip Hop Sports Report podcast y'all check us out like rate and subscribe to the podcast and let us know what you think next time you hear me i'll be in shaw city or the northern suburbs i guess (laughs) be out of here y'all peace peace